Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. From the halls of assembly, you'll hear us scream and shout. Our love of Indiana is manic and devout. Archie and his boys, we discuss in unique manner. We won't be satisfied until we hang another banner. Us two goofy guys go by names of Ward and Eric. And as you probably know by now, we're Hoosier Hysterics. Hoosier Hysterics. Hoosier Hysterics. Well, as listeners might recall, Eric, we got into a pretty heated debate last week. I think even in the course of the debate, I mentioned that I am merely presenting the other side of the argument. I will say moving forward, I will no longer be doing that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Um, it's been a rough week for Indiana basketball. Let's just uh, call it the way it is. Um, It's a tough one because we are fans and we will always be fans. And, you know, there's been a lot of talk about apathy setting in and how Mm -hmm. bad that is. And, and you've talked a little bit about how some friends of yours that have been fans in the past, like they barely even know the games are on, you know, Mm -hmm. that kind of thing. Check it out. I, yeah. And that is scary and sad. That will never be us. I don't think, I mean, I I just think like no matter how much we lose or how bad we look in losing, or how bad we look in winning. We uh, <laughs> will always be fans. But this is a tough one because, look, the staff of Indiana has been really good to us. Like, that's yes. the truth. Archie didn't yes. have to come on our show. I mean, we're a two morons from California who say ridiculous things and go nuts and wear our heart on our sleeves. And on, on some level, we're the worst of fans. And then on some level, we're the best of fans. But we're, we're manic. And he came on, and Kenya Hunter came on. And when Bruiser was here, he came on. And Mike Roberts came on. Scott Dolson came on. You know, I know he's not on the staff. Uh, Tom Ostrom still has not come on. But we'll deal with that at a later Where time. are you, Tom? Yeah, where are you? <laughs> but it is just extremely hard to be a fan of Indiana basketball right now thinking that things are going in the right direction. And if we had a recruiting class to hang our hat on, if we had some stud freshman who we knew next year would turn into something or felt really good about it, then maybe it would mitigate some of the negative feeling. But that Purdue game was, uh, I think, a tipping point for a lot of fans. Well, I I said uh, ahead of time, it felt like this could be the equivalent of Crean's Syracuse game and the blowback on social media, on the text chains, on the conversations I had was exactly that. And even like a day later, I saw somebody else be like, this feels like Syracuse was for Crean where I don't know short of a miraculous run in the back half of this season 
the fan base gets back behind what's going on right now. Yeah, I, I think that's that is the real risk. And, as, you know, as Cream found out, when you lose the fan base or a majority of it or they become apathetic, it is nearly impossible to get them back. And it has real tangible effects on the program because that stuff spills over into recruiting AAU coaches, high school coaches. People start questioning, is Archie even going to be there in a couple of years? Well, how do you recruit a kid that you want to be there for three years when you may not be there in a year, when you don't have a contract extension, you know? And Archie's got three years left on his deal and there's no way any even conversation of an extension is happening. Correct. And so the, the, you understand why the conversation has gone to what is the future of this program and is this staff the future? And there's a lot of people who definitively say it isn't. There's a lot of people who are leaning that way. And there are fewer and fewer people who are, can tell you they are the future of this program. Well, I think everybody who was clinging to optimism or, or reason to have belief or hope uh, were, I don't know, maybe maybe leading up to the Purdue game, 40% of the voices compared to 60 of already just kind of over it. But it was like 30 to one on any website I went to, any conversation or text that I was involved with. It was just like anybody who'd been saying, well, this, that, or the other. A lot of the arguments I presented last week were either uh, completely silent, absent from the conversation, or or had changed their minds and said, nope, this isn't working and it's not going to. Um, and it's it's so depressing because as soon as somebody admits that to themselves, you know what you're staring down the barrel of. And it's it's years of uncertainty going forward. And nobody wants that. Everybody wants this to work. But there's only so long only so many times you can lose to Purdue at home, uh, not a great Purdue team by any measure. You can't say that, wow, that was just a much uh, more talented, more experienced Purdue team that came in and beat us down on our home court, you know? And it's, we knew leaving the Purdue game last year at Assembly Hall, obviously the buzz was all about Coach Knight had just come back at halftime, but there was a less than refined gentleman who has, I think, as you recall, as we were exiting Assembly Hall, had some very choice words for the performance that had been put on yeah. against Purdue. And man, man, the hole is deep. And I, I I don't see how we dig our way out of it. Yeah, it's super depressing, but it does go back to what we talked about a few weeks ago. It's just not good enough. I mean, it's none of it is. It's not good enough. The recruiting, the roster construction, the player development, the execution on the court, the energy on the court, the consistency, the scheming, the game planning, all of it. None of it is good enough. And it all has led to an eight and six team, three and four in the Big Ten, who has four of the next five games against top 10 teams in the Ken Palm. And you look at the schedule and you go, where are you getting wins? And so where we all thought that this year was without question going to be a step forward from last year, it's looking like it very may very well may be a step back. And if it's a step back from last year and then Trace leaves, you're looking at year five as being one of the worst years, maybe the worst year that Archie has had here. And I just, um, it's sad. I, I am sad about it. I was angry about it after the game and like the day after the game. And now I'm just incredibly sad. Um, and the only way to fix being sad is to know that we are, in fact, powered by 
pigs, 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 pigs. I loved it. I changed it. I changed it for you. I didn't know what was coming. There was a couple times it was funny. It sounded like you were going speaks because they started <laughs> smashed together. It was great, great. Yeah. Don't know, didn't know what I was going to do. Just wanted to feel it in the moment, and and that's what we did. So, um, look, pigs right now. If you're a fan, if you need the catharsis of just venting, that's where you want to be. I mean, it is littered with message threads where you can vent and get your frustration out. And I have to say, that is a service that fans need from time to time. We need a place. I mean, you and I have each other. The the goons are there. Uh, My wife does not want to be the sounding board for my anger and or my sadness about Indiana University basketball. And it is, and it's not, you know, and I know you're you're much more in the Twitter space of of hot takes, but with the Peegs board, you have Peegsters on there who watch it as closely and as passionately and think about it as deeply and in many cases deeper and, and more intelligently, at least than I do. And so you can see all the different cases being made. And and to the discussion point earlier, <laughs> there's not a lot of like really passionate, insightful cases that are positive right now. And that tells you something too, because if there's somebody who loves IU and really knows their stuff and can see where the light is at the end of the tunnel, we would have read it on there. Yeah, and We would have clinged to it with all the hope and desperation we could have, but there's just nothing there anymore. No. And what we thought we could hang our hat on, on for this team was defense. And the truth is in big 10 conference play and we're seven games in the defense has sucked. I mean, the defense is not good. The defense I think is now ranked eighth in the conference uh, in just conference stats. It's just not good. I mean, against Purdue, the defense wasn't good against Northwestern. The defense wasn't good against Penn state. It wasn't good. Illinois, the defense was good on the road, but you know, in more games than not, the defense hasn't even showed up. So there is nothing for this team to hang its hat on. And I do agree with what I think. I think Ken Bykoff sent it out. And I agree. Totally said after four years, we're in the middle of year four. What are we? What is our identity? Do we work harder than anybody? No. Are we a good shooting team? No. Do we have free flowing, high tempo offense, high pace, fast pace? No. Are we locked down defenders? No. Like there is no identity. And I don't think you and I ever thought that that would be the case after kind of getting to know even Archie from a distance. It seemed like this was a no-nonsense, intense grinder. And he has not been able to communicate that, recruit that, or, or convey that to his team. It, it, it just has not happened. We're not tough. We're not smart. We're not fast. We're not skilled. So what are we? And that is the most disappointing thing, I think, is that we're in the middle of year four and you look back to the middle of year one and you're like, we're not too far away from that. No, what you're seeing on the court feels quite similar. And to me, you're looking at it going, everything has to be clicking on all cylinders. You have to have like kind of a perfect night where we're actually hitting some outside shots. 
We're, we're not missing defensive assignments. We're not making dumb plays with the ball. Somebody, you know, really Armand's the only one who feels like outside of eight feet, he has the confidence to, to be a closer for us. Not that he's really had the opportunity. So when I'm like, geez, even if everything's working for us, sometimes we still lose. If you want to say Wisconsin and Florida State were examples of like, hey, we kind of brought our A game. It still wasn't good enough to win. And most teams don't bring like their AA plus game every night. And so you need to be able to team be a team that can win uh, when you it's a B, you know, but you still have so many things that you can rely upon to get you over the finish line. But it's like, geez, even even when we play our best games, we don't even come out on top. So I just, I felt it happen um, against Purdue. I wasn't angry. And I knew that was a terrible sign. Mm, Yeah, that sucks. Uh, Because I think like in the first few moments and Rob was being more assertive and it was like, okay, here we go. We're fired up and Rob, you know, we stole him from Purdue. And now he's going to like show them why he chose Bloomington but then it pretty quickly evolved into like 10 minutes of good basketball for us, 30 minutes where they were playing better than us. And it felt quite inevitable for a good chunk of the game. And that thing inside of me that goes insane when we could win, we might win, we have a chance at winning and everything is in the balance. That light was extinguished. And I don't know if I can get it back. You know, if we rattle off like three amazing wins in a row, I'm sure that that spark will will at first flicker and then start to burn brightly and then I'll go crazy. And if we win three great wins in a row, I'll be like, finally, it's finally all working. But I know that's, there's nothing to look at in the past to think that's what's going to happen. Yeah. Uh, And you know what, with the Purdue thing specifically, look, the first two years that Archie was here, Purdue had a better team. Wait, I got some, I got some weird virtual background stuff happening right now. There is no doubt that Purdue was better, obviously. I mean, they were almost a Final Four team a couple of years ago. So they were clearly better the last, the first two years. The last two years, they are not clearly better. They, they, they should not be clearly better. They are. They are clearly better, but they shouldn't be. And I think one of the most disappointing things on a, on a micro level is that even when Indiana has had bad teams, you know, and going back to Coach Knight's teams, or not bad teams, but not as good, man, did we get up for that Purdue game? Yeah. That's what a rivalry is, right? Throw the records out. Yes. All that matters is it's the rivalry. Purdue certainly adopts that mentality. Certainly. Like they, they shoot poor three pointers against everybody else, but they come in and they shoot well against us. Yeah. Well, you know what? There's an extra focus. There's an extra energy. There's an extra oomph to everything you're doing against your rival. That's human nature. Like that's what the rivalry is supposed to bring out. That's why it's a rivalry. We don't. The last two years, the last three games now that we've played them, we don't. We do treat it like every other game. There doesn't seem to be any extra urgency or energy or fight or piss and vinegar or, you know, intensity. There doesn't. It just seems like we're playing Minnesota. And that is extremely disappointing to an Indiana fan who, as you've talked about, we want national titles, Big Ten titles, and beat Purdue. That's it, baby. And look, the truth is, if you don't win a Big Ten title, but you beat Purdue, it's like, all right, you can take solace in the fact that you beat them. The fact that, that this staff and this 
team, this program has not been able to convince this group of players why it's so important. When you look at a lot of those players on Purdue that either we recruited or chose not to recruit, Stefanovic, Jaden Ivey, Brandon Newman, um, uh, is it, uh, what's the, um, Isaiah Thompson, you know, they get up for it. Like they, it looks like they want to just come in and murder us. They had 21 points off of baseline out of bounds plays. 21. That is just focus, execution, well-coached, you know, and just execute. We're not doing any of that. So when you speak about getting up for that game too, I think Matt Painter has a really good idea of what that game means. And, you know, I'm sure Mike Roberts is sitting there barking at those guys about it, man. He's, he's barking at them during the game I know. about it, but it, it, to your point, like we, we felt it. We, we had ringside seats to it last year in a game where it was full of 17,000 fans coach Knight and many of the greatest players to ever walk on that floor were there for that game. And we came out like a turd in the second half and they out executed us. They out hustled us. And it was an incredibly disappointing end to one of the great days in the history of that building. So yeah. Am I surprised that when there's no, no fans in the stands and that there's no, no coach Knight to come in and capture the nation's attention that we don't, bring bring the juice no not at all it's just like of course this is what's going to happen again yeah I think you're right I'm not surprised I'm extremely disappointed and and I will say this there's a lot of fans who who do try to rationalize some of this stuff well the conference is so tough well not having fans at assembly hall hurts us more I mean like those are excuses you make when you aren't good enough like that's the truth when you are blaming the toughness of the conference, we are the conference. We always were the conference. Yeah, so it went through Bloomington. Stop pretending like there's this external thing that is so good that how could we possibly compete? That's horseshit. He, he's, he's had enough time to up the level of play to outpace the Minnesotas of the world in the conference, and we haven't. So and look, this game... Had we won that game and gone to nine and five, and I think we would have been in a tie for fifth in the conference. And you're like, oh, this, this was not just a big rivalry game and a chance to finally start to even the odds with those bastards up north. But this gets us into the upper half of the conference with our win-loss record. This has real ramifications for getting invited to the tournament that's going to be hosted in our home state. If you can't get up for Every single game, knowing that this tournament is going to be played in your own building and throughout your own, your, your state and, and your success and your program success has been synonymous with why Indiana is the basketball state. Obviously, high school is a big part of it, too. But then it all funnels down to Bloomington, and it has since the 1940s. And if these guys collectively, everybody in the program, can't just win just win you can't tell me that maybe there's like two teams in the conference that just like clearly have greater talent than we do that that since that isn't really the issue everything else is and that's 
that's a lot of things that yeah. I don't see how get corrected after this point of, of a program establishing whatever it is. And, and look, you know where I stand on the talent. I've said for a couple of years now, the talent isn't good enough. I, I, I do believe that. I mean, Al Durham, look, I like these kids. I think for the most part, these kids try really hard. But this isn't this isn't Little League and we're giving out participation awards and popsicles at the end of the game. You know, like Al Durham isn't a good enough player to be playing the minutes that he's playing at Indiana. Rob Finnessy is a bust. Like just that's it. Rob Finnessy is not a good point guard. He's a good kid. I do think he tries, but he's not tough enough, smart enough, talented enough, skilled enough, high enough energy to impact the game consistently. That's our starting backcourt. Trey Galloway is filled with piss and vinegar. He, he is not skilled enough yet to make the impact that we need him to make playing the number of minutes he's making. Anthony Leo clearly has some potential as a shooter and he's a tough kid and smart kid, but he's not ready. The, the Trace Jackson Davis is uber talented. He has one part of his game that, by the way, it doesn't seem to matter. He can use that one part of the game to dominate people because he's yeah. that good at it. But Trace needs the ball to go in the basket for him to care about what's going on on the court. That's the truth. His energy sucks if the ball's not going in. That's not a leader. We don't have a leader on the team. Jerome Hunter's been a disappointment. Armand Franklin is awesome. Like he, he plays hard. Obviously his first game back from the ankle injury, his shot was atrocious. You know, I mean, he, when we, I will say this, if you're looking for something we do better than anybody in the country is we miss spectacularly. <laughs> I mean, it is fifth grade rec league misses. Like, holy it is cow. I mean, we're throwing it on the other side of the basket. Our air balls aren't even online. They're like <laughs> aiming at a, it's like you're seeing double and they're shooting at the wrong basket. That's <laughs> and, what it seems like. And the guys anticipating the shot on the rebound, like they have to like duck their head real quick yeah. because it comes off at such a weird angle they're not used to. But just before we finish the talent rand yeah how many other teams in the conference have two five stars on the roster yeah, no you're right and we've mismanaged one of them i mean that's the bottom line i know we look we got in a lot of trouble last week after the christian lander reasonable rabbi episode but i mean it is a self-fulfilling prophecy now with christian lander they didn't give him enough time at the beginning of the year to see if he could get into any rhythm now they put him in for a couple minutes a game against top competition where everything's on the line. He doesn't do well. They pull him out and they go, well, see, he's just not ready. Well, yeah, he's not ready because you never gave him the chance to get ready. Now, we don't know if he could have been ready, but it's too late now. This, I, I believe it's too late this season for Christian Lander to make any real impact consistently. Maybe and, we, we need to bring a sports psychologist onto the show and be like, what do you think it does to a young man to get put into a game for two minutes and then yanked out game after game after game. Because I, I, I think another big disappointment, the biggest, you know, to me right now on this team is, is Rob. And we, we can't comment on how that concussion affected his trajectory. But what we know is we have seen flashes of Rob all of a sudden become that player we saw flashes of as a freshman and then it just goes away. Yes. And so when you're talking about success in sports is so much about confidence. All right, look, Ward just made a point in our intro and I forgot what the point is because Me in too. the meantime, <laughs> in the meantime, our guest for today jumped into the middle of the Zoom. So once again, our intro got interrupted. So we have no idea what else we were gonna talk about in the intro. All we can say is we gotta get to this guy right away because he is hysterical. 
We there hit the are, ground running. Run, and by the way, we do very little talking. For so, so for those of you who don't like listening to us, which is most of you, don't worry. We do very little talking coming up, including immediately when he comes on the Zoom, we are just <laughs> into his opinion on the basketball program. So we'll, we'll, we'll apologize in advance for a lot of Eric and I going, well, uh, yeah. Well, and then what I, but if I did just... <laughs> but, but I'm not, not going to go through and cut those out because that would be four hours of editing. So you'll 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 enjoy this roller coaster of of stories um, that really span many years, not just the years he played. And what a what a joy we we've had the last couple hours. So now it's your turn. Enjoy, Steve. Gentlemen. There we go. How are you? How we doing? We're good. I see somebody else has a Hoosier sweatshirt on today. Well, I also, this is my Hoosier hysteric sweatshirt. Oh, there you go. So we got it. We got it. Uh, We're not getting a lot of those these days. (laughs) That's that's fair. That is fair. You know, the the kids will be all right. All right. We'll 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 get some of that. I'm trying to remain positive. You know, I did a show for two years on the grueling truth, which is our our little deal. I just quit because I said, I'm just sick and tired of beating this program up and I don't want to do, I'm a, I'm a member of this family. I'm a player. I, I should be a little more positive. It was difficult to find things to be positive about. And I just said, you know, if you have nothing positive to say, don't say anything at all. That's kind of the attitude I've taken for a few years. Well, then you're going to be silent for a while, I think. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think Archie Miller is the answer to our problems. Um, I'll tell you, I would love to see Whitman or Woodson come back and take the program over. and Just give it a shot. What do we got to lose? See what I'm, those guys – they would instill some of the things that I think the Hoosier hysteric crowd would love to get back behind and – support and then more kids when they hear there's that tie to coach into the, the the legacy of IU basketball that was created under the Bob Knight era I think a lot of that would come back and it can't be any worse than what we've got right now and I don't want to bash Archie Miller because I don't know the man I've never met him in person you know I, I don't know I I question a lot of the things he does coaching but it's only because of what I knew from Bob Knight, right? Who is in a level, a plateau into his own. You know, really? it's hard. It's unfair to compare everybody to Bob Knight, or Dean Smith, sure. or John Wooden, um, or, or you know, there's that that group of coaches. Uh, you know, Adolph Rupp. You got to throw him in there. And, and no, no, no. You can leave him out. <laughs> well, you can't. Okay. Uh, see, I'm not a Kentucky hater. I can tell you recruiting stories about me getting recruited by Kentucky. Well, we're going to get into that. Let's get, let's, 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 <laughs> let's start go. this thing off. All right. So Steve, what we're going to do is we'll do a little intro for you where we sing your praises and then we'll just jump right in. There you go. All right, let's do it. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, we're back with another Hoosier legend, a champion in many senses of the word. Eric, please let the audience know who we're speaking with today. Well, we are right back into one of our favorite eras to be in, which is that late 70s, early 80s Bob Knight teams that, that, as you said, were winners more than anything, just flat out winners. We are talking to a gentleman today hailing from Indianapolis where he attended Lawrence Central. And while at Lawrence Central, he figured, I'm not going to waste my time just with classes. Why don't I just go ahead and set school records for points, rebounds, steals, and block shots? That's what he did in his time at Lawrence Central. 
two-time sectional champion, two-time Marion County champion, averaged over 24 points and 12 rebounds a game his junior and senior years combined. Indiana All-Star commits to Indiana in the same recruiting class as our most recent guest, Ray Tolbert. And we'll get into that. Where they together won the 1979 NIT championship, won in spectacular fashion the Big Ten championship in 1980, setting the stage for the fourth championship in Indiana University, the national title in 1981. This gentleman then went on and played some pro ball in Italy, which I'd love to get into. I want to hear about that. At least there's got to be good food in Italy while you're playing. Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> we're also talking to a gentleman who has not stood on the sidelines over the last few years. He's been heavy in the podcast game, radio game. He's a voice that has been weighing in on Indiana basketball and sports in general for a while. Great storyteller. Teammates love him. Legend of Indiana. Ladies and gentlemen, we are talking to the one and only Steve Risley. <laughs> You guys give me a minute here. I need to take my headset and adjust it because my head just swelled about uh, <laughs> three sizes. You know, my seven and three quarters uh, era fitted uh, baseball cap of the L.A. Dodgers with the palm tree on it is not going to fit anymore. <laughs> but I'm going to have to go to an eight now. <laughs> Jesus. I can, can I have a copy of that so I can give that to my wife tonight when she comes home and says, why I didn't take the trash out? You know, here, have you, exactly. you see who I am? I'm a two-time sectional champion. You take the trash out. Yeah, well, and you talk about me as a champion. I would consider myself more of a champion's aide. Okay. okay. Well, hey, see, I'm a see, I look at it this way. I tell everybody what, you know, what, what I say, well, the fact is in the championship game, Isaiah Thomas and I combined for 26 points, <laughs> you know, he had 21 and I had five, but hey, that's okay. You also had four rebounds in that had four rebounds. I had the first bucket of the game for IU. Yeah. Hey, by and way, scored the, the last point of the season. There you and, you. and Steve, you can also say to your buddy, Ray Tolbert, Hey, I scored as many points as you in the championship game. Did he only had five? He only had five. Oh, what the? Okay, Tolbert, I did not know that. Uh, Tolbert's getting a phone call as soon as it show's over. So, hey, you guys are going to give me all these tidbits, see? Here's I things I don't know. When you hear that litany of things dating back to your time at Lawrence Central and all the way through, obviously, playing professionally in the game that you love, is there one achievement, one thing that really does stand out to you when you're just kind of in the moments before falling asleep, when you want to think back at a, at a highlight, is there one that sticks out? You know, it's, it's a great question and very hard to say because there are so many things that manifested in my time, and it's all due to basketball. I mean, I was fortunate enough, first, I grew up in a neighborhood that, that was, I grew up behind the Meadows Shopping Center in Indianapolis, which at that time, I mean, it, it wasn't a bad place. It wasn't a good place. It just was a place where you could easily get yourself into trouble. Got it. Um, if you wanted to. If you want to stay out of it, you could. And fortunately, I... I I grew and I became tall and, and lanky and I fell in love with the game of basketball. Uh, played by myself, had an eight foot rim uh, on our garage, which was the greatest thing in the world because it allowed me to develop a shot rather than just chuck the ball up on a 10 oh. foot rim. Used to drive my bike, ride my bike, I'd mow three yards, get 250 a yard, ride up the marathon uh, oil and buy the 299 uh, rubber, red, white, and blue marathon balls. Yes. And then you'd blow them up right there on the tire pressure. You'd pop. <laughs> about one out of every three, <laughs> then you come back and you take two of them home with you for five bucks and the, you shoot and shoot and shoot and you were Roger Brown or you were Neto or you were Mel or, or you know, 
at that point with the eight foot rim, I could be Dr. Duggenstein yes. and Darnell Hillman and things. And then one would bounce off the fence and pop. So <laughs> you'd have one left. And then the next day you were cutting two more lawns and driving back up there. And then the, on the way, sometimes you'd find a dust bowl. And God, there was nothing like the dust bowls growing up. But um, so tell he, our but, fans what the we'll dust talk bowl. about all this no, as, as growing up. Him. But is there one thing that stands out? Um, I, I've had a, a lifetime of, of just honors and, and recognition bestowed upon me, and that I don't know that it's deserving. It's 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 taken. I mean, I'll take it because I told my wife, I said, "Don't worry about burying me in a eight thousand dollar casket and get a, a ten thousand dollar tombstone." My wall, my picture's on the wall of Assembly Hall for eternity. <laughs> That's my tombstone right there. Nice. Let it be. Yeah. You know, just <laughs> cremate me nice, put me in an urn, set me up on the mantle, and, and you know, turn it toward the TV every time <laughs> Kentucky's playing Indiana. So, and let's just let me watch that game in peace. So, and, and do that. But uh, certainly, um, the high school thing was so fun. Um, you know, we had a chance to talk to – Puzio one time, Angelo, about the, the movie Hoosiers and mm -hmm. the facts and fiction about that story. And uh, funny thing, I told him, I said, you guys remember the movie Hoosiers? Of course. Oh, yeah. What's the last scene? Uh, Come on now, what's the last scene? The last scene is is the empty gym, right? No, he walks in with the guy and there's a little five-year-old, seven-year-old right. oh, yeah, yeah, baskets. Yeah. Yes, that's yeah. right. Yep. I told us, and Angelo, you should have turned around and looked at that kid and looked at that kid and said, son, that's a nice jump shot. What's your name? And the kid turns around and goes, Larry Bird. <laughs> and he, he said, uh, that would have been against the, uh, the principles of, of the facts of the movie. I said, Andrew, there were no facts in this movie. Are you talking about the Bobby of the Pump's school. story in 1954 or, or Bobby Pump's story in 2014? Right. I mean, come on, that fish has grown a monster mile about mile <laughs> success in that tournament. And they did win. So we give them that, but the lore of that and, and going on down and through and being a part of it. Um, I so miss the way single class basketball was. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I understand they had to make the changes for whatever reason they did. I'm not, you know, yeah, I shake my head too, but I'm <laughs> trying to say, give them the benefit of the doubt that there were intelligent men making, you know, Bobby Cox, those guys that were doing all that at the time. They, they had to have their rationale and reasons. But just the single class, and I remember going to Hinkle, and Hinkle was like the state championship. Yeah. You know, I pride myself on the fact that Woods had never touched me in the Hinkle sectionals. <laughs> that son of a bitch never saw a Hinkle sectional championship. <laughs> he looked at me every time, him and Don Cox and those guys, and, and Coach Smith, and go, God darn it, we got to play Risley again. <laughs> go, oh, man, there we go. You know, play Landon. In the sectionals, I mean, and that that sectional was just chalk for yeah. the greatest basketball in Indiana high school basketball. And it was a little unfair that all the great teams were knocked out and only us would come out of it um, for at least my last two years. And all the other guys had to go home and watch the rest of it on TV. Of course, we were there the next day weekend right yeah. with them. But uh, that was fun. But to play in the basketball tournament, the state high school basketball tournament in Indiana, at point in time, we made it to the semi-state mm -hmm. senior year, and we got beat by a small school down by uh, Brookville and um, um, 
Southern Indiana, down on 574, Aurora High School. Mm. And they were probably a little bit more like Milan, and we were a little bit more like South Bend Central or what. You know, we were the big dogs coming out of Indianapolis, had All-American on it with me, a couple other great players. And they had this one little kid named Tim Johnson, who was a great jump shooter. And that's when Robbie Willis was playing for Richmond. And uh, I think, I can't, was Frankfurt the fourth team in that tournament? I can't, and then that section, that re, semi I can't remember. But, or maybe it was Columbus, it was one of the Columbus schools. But anyway, it was supposed to be Richmond, Robbie Willis versus Steve Risley. And we both got beat in the afternoon game. And, and that was the beauty <laughs> of, of high school basketball. And yeah, so to the privilege of having to do that, and you go anywhere, you know, I, I live in California now, and you tell people you played in that, and, and they, they ask questions. They want to know, what, what is this mythological thing? Right. about Indiana high school basketball. And I, you know, I had telling these stories of things we did, the bus rides, you know, the, the, the way the parents, the involvement of the teams. And I remember uh, for a football game one time when I was with Lawrence Central, our football team was undefeated, ready to play Carmel. I was the quarterback of the team. And we took 22 fan buses wow. um, from, from Lawrence Central, which was at 56 and 465, to Carmel, which was at 465 and – uh, 31. Mm-hmm. And I mean, you literally, when you look back on for the interstate 465, you can see nothing but fan buses, right? Uh, all it's the way like there. That's, it's like that scene in Hoosiers. You yeah. Know, it, it, yeah. Only bus. magnified by t- yeah. 20. Yeah. But in every high school basketball game was like that. I mean, when we came back after winning sectionals, the police, the firemen, all were waiting for us at 56th street and taking us back down 56th street, back to Lawrence central and that honor and things like that. And just for, and we got it for two years. I mean, county and sectional and, and the regionals. And I've always said winning is one thing, repeating is a whole nother thing. And for us to be able to repeat like we did in high school was a great testament to Jerry Petty, our high school basketball coach who just passed away recently. Um, and and, and the, the, the camaraderie of the fans, uh, we all like the honey bears. <laughs> um, which is our drill team. Yeah. So yeah, they, they were, they were, they were good, but you know, our fans would get together and have all kinds of schemes going in the games. And it's just, who's your hysteria. That's not like seen today. Right. Well, um, yeah. And then from there to, to get anointed to the privilege of playing on the Indiana high school all-stars um, where we got beat by Kentucky, both games. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, that was bad. I know, <laughs> yeah. I know, I know, Eric, it's killing you. Yeah, that was right. But, uh, and then to go on and get get a chance to play. And there's a funny story about being recruited. I, I was being recruited very heavily by Notre Dame. Mm. Um, and this was in my junior year. And this kind of leads into it. So, so playing high school basketball was one of the milestones of my life that I could talk about forever on a separate show. Everything <laughs> that went on there. Then this from is there, the show to do it on, yeah. Steve, honestly. Yeah, this, this, is, the sh- this, is, this the show. is the show. Yeah, well, you, you, it, it would take, you know, my battery, I, my, my computer's plugged in and my battery still would run out. <laughs> uh, high school ball and all the things that we did and went on. But um, recruitment-wise came, and, and I had gotten all the letters from everybody. And, and I grew up without a father and didn't really have a lot of help in making my decisions. Like, I didn't really know much about Duke at that time. I knew about UCLA, but I knew UCLA was half a world away. That dumbest move I ever made was not going to Pepperdine. 
<laughs> Living in Malibu camping. your entire life? Come on, give me a break. They <laughs> say 90% of athletes stay within 20 miles of where they go to college. I'm thinking, okay, I can live in Malibu the rest <laughs> no of my life. As now, they won't even let me drive through Malibu. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, I was going to say, they better give you that uh, nice bank account after going. Yeah, yeah, the bank account's right. got to come with it to get through yeah. Malibu. Right. But um, the recruitment-wise started in Notre Dame and Digger Phelps. And actually, I was an All-American quarterback in high school as well. Um, six eight had a pretty good arm. Um, but I think everybody knew that basketball was my forte, where I was going to go. So there wasn't a lot of serious recruitment except Barry Switzer calling me mm. and telling me how he's going to turn Oklahoma into a passing offense. I'm like, kiss my ass Switzer in about two <laughs> years. I'll be a six foot eight inch, 300 pound defensive end for your ass is what I'll be. I'll never throw a football one day. Go talk to Troy Aikman about that. <laughs> you got him to believe that crap. Come on. That's great. So, so, but, but I had actually Dan Devine and, and Digger Fels, yeah. you know, Devine was like, well, you can come and, try it of course you know they had a multitude of great quarterbacks so i knew i was never really going to play um and that's when um that year they had gotten kelly trapuca orlando woolridge uh tracy jackson they had a formal they got to the final four yeah i think that fresh my freshman year i think uh, notre dame got to the final four but they had recruited me and i had talked to them and kept going and tracy was tracy jackson and or in orlando and and kelly were really on me talking to me a lot and finally I just told the uh coach uh Phelps said okay look I'm a junior I, I I my mom would kill if I go went to Notre Dame it's close to home now I had never been talked to by Knight or IU at all okay uh they, they had never he'd been to a couple of my games but he'd never spoken to me whatsoever so we um you know we like I told coach Phelps said I'll I'll tell you right now it, it's probably going to be Notre Dame I'm looking really good you know, it's, it fits all of our family needs. And I had the grades to get into Notre Dame and was able to do it. And so I said, you know, just give me some time to think about it. But I, I, I could almost verbally commit to you to Notre Dame, although I couldn't sign anything because I was just a junior savior for me. So then we go through the season and I had run track my sophomore and junior years. Um, and then, you know, after my senior, I just said, nah, I'm just going to have some fun not going to be a track star. Uh, but then I come home from school one day and the phone's ringing and nobody's there. So I pick up the phone is hello. Uh, is this Risley? Yeah. Who's this? It's Bob Knight. Like, yeah. Right. <laughs> He's just calling my house. <laughs> and so he, he got me to believe it was him. So he talks to me for a good 20 minutes about Indiana about and of course I knew about IU I grew up right here and Wayne was a friend and and uh you know I talked to players that had gone there never took an official recruiting trip to IU hmm. never, never took one um wow. had never even been in assembly hall before I, I committed to go wow never been down there to a game or anything you know matter of fact for three years in a row I tried to get in this damn basketball camp and they sent my check back what? Yeah, I don't know. I just filled out the form with my ninety-nine dollars for the Bob Knight basketball camp, and it came back. Sorry, camp's full. Wow. Can, okay, well, I'm not on that radar screen. Right, right. I mean, hell, I got to go to the camp, Steve. I didn't even. I never went to the camp. Wow. I never. I, I got rejected. I think two or three times. 
So, so tell us about that phone call. What was he saying to you on the phone call, and how? Well, he was he was talking about the fact that he he liked the, the physicality that I had because I played football, and uh, I said, coach realized I played quarterback, and I don't get touched. <laughs> you know, my, my mom washes my uniform twice a season. That's it. <laughs> and that's only because some other guy puked up Gatorade on me or something like that during a game. So you know that 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 wasn't a prize, but he said nah, and he went on to talk about all the things that you've ever heard and I talk about, about the fact that the discipline involved and, you know, I'm not going to guarantee you anything. I'm going to teach you to discipline yourself. I'm not going to discipline you. And that's the thing. Hmm. He, he, he says that flat out to all of us that I don't discipline players. I teach players to discipline themselves. Hmm. You know, I don't teach them to wear the same socks or the same shoes. I tell them why it's relevant to do it. And Everybody seems to agree with my relevance. I'm like, oh, yeah, go figure. <laughs> so. at, that, at that point, Steve, I'm just curious. Obviously, you're a fan of basketball and, and football, but are you? Are the Indiana Hoosiers, the 76 Hoosiers, were they a big deal to you? Were- oh, of course. How could they yeah. not be? Right. Sure. But then they had 77, which I think they went 14 and 13. Yeah, not good. And I, I, it, uh, you know, I mean, Benny was there. Yeah. Uh, Wayne was there. Wissy, Wissman was there. Jimmy was there. And, and they had a bunch of young kids come in. Uh, I'll tell you, the key factor for me was Valavicious, Rich Valavicious. Uh, when he left, I thought, okay, I'm, I'm in now because he wore 34. And I wanted to wear 34 because Steve Green was my hero. So, yeah, I thought I could shoot like Steve Green. That that went away real quick. (laughs) And and then Val Vicious left. And then I got, okay, 34 is open. I'm going. And when I go into the locker room the first day to get my jersey, they got me with 33. So, they had Eric Kirshner right next to me. He had 34. Without him looking, I swapped jerseys. (laughs) (laughs) So I wanted to wear 34. (laughs) Do do us a favor. Talk about Steve Green a little bit. Steve Green, we've had on the show. He's a friend. Uh, What a great gentleman. Yeah. What a great ambassador for IU basketball. He's a dentist. Uh, Just uh, the thing that amazes me about the 76 team is how arrogant those pricks could be, (laughs) but how nice a gentleman they all are. I mean, down to a T, every single, you know, Abbers, Abbers taught my kid and raised my kid on basketball. I, I couldn't touch what Tommy could do for him. He went to the Indiana Basketball Academy until yeah. he was too old to go there. And Tommy did more to teach him about life and about being a good person. And, and my son will come in here and put him on the headphones right now. He'd tell you the same thing. Mm. And I think that, that that's a great testament. To, to, to Tommy, you know, Greeno, excellent dentist, uh, great. And, and they're, the thing about the kids from 76, the, the 81 team, and I'm sure the 87 team tried to follow the legacy they left, was they all became viable uh, pr- producers for their communities. Yeah. Mm. They all, you know, you don't see anybody in jail or in trouble or being belligerent or malcontent. All of the members of the 76 team, and that set the tone for 81. Um, and then we set the tone by staying with that for 87. And that's a tribute tonight. But Greeno, Abbers, you know, uh, Cruzy, uh, although you had to watch Cruzy. He was a little snake in the grass. <laughs> he, he was he was nice microphone. Oh, is that right? Oh, uh, yeah. Funny story. Where yeah. was I at one time with Cruz? That no, wasn't even Cruz. Uh, I had taken my girlfriend. There was a, if you guys, there was a restaurant called Butterfields. I down in Bloomington. Yeah, it's probably, it used to be the huddle. 
them and you guys were in the 90s right yeah you know, i was yeah remember i was back in the 70s yeah Christ, you know you guys hell we need we need the only thing we had open after 11 o'clock was a taco bell <laughs> you know, so yeah, and, and the big different. wheel we had the big wheel yeah we had the big wheel open that was it so anyway we're i'm at butterfields and they had uh all you could eat shrimp for 10 cents okay wow. yeah it's great yeah well this was back in 70 eight or 79 still, or 80 still, you gotta then. question the quality of the shrimp you still yeah, gotta question it, it sucked but who cares so i'm in the from? bar with my girlfriend neither one of us are 21 you know and we're sitting in there and i've got a cold beer and my girlfriend's got a glass of wine and we have a big old bowl of shrimp and in walks kim cruz all right and she walks by hi steve how you doing oh hey mr cruz how you doing you know it just goes on by nothing said so about two weeks later, I'm in practice, and I'm not having a great practice. And, and so all of a sudden, I screw up in practice, and all of a sudden I hear from Coach, God darn it, Risley, if you were so worried about taking your girlfriend to Butterfields and eating shrimp all night and got your head in the game, you'd be me. And I just turned around and looked at Cruz. And if, if night wasn't there, Cruz would not have gotten away from me. <laughs> And he came in with some BS afterwards, and, but that, that that was just a funny story with Cruz. Cruz, he was a great guy too, you know, went on to become a very successful coach. So the 76 team was definitely a model for all of them. and 75. I mean, you know, Laz is a great guy, runs a, a um, Culver's Culver's down there, the butter burgers. Oh, we love it. We love God, it. Who and doesn't love a custard. butter burger? And the, and the, only, the only thing better than a butter burger is it in an out burger. Oh, there well, there. Well, See, now they, you're now you're talking. There's the Southern California boy coming out in here. Yeah, yeah, I just tell you what. The only problem with the In and Out is they're waiting two hours to get a damn In and Out burger. It's is ridiculous. Yeah, it's the pandemic's made it even worse. <laughs> it's worse, I, I know. And you know, and you know, they don't deliver. They won't. No, they any don't do the any fast or anything. No. I don't believe in Dora. But you know, last year I thought, okay, I'm going to go country. So I bought me a, a big old Ram pickup truck. Yeah, nice. You know, a full cab and everything. Uh huh. Those damn things don't fit through a lot of drive-up windows. <laughs> I found that out the first day I bought it. I bought my truck and I go up, pull up, and it's got a nice yellow mark on the on the front fender, brand new. Oh. Didn't have the truck a day. And I, yep, uh, I, I I misjudged that just a little bit. So my truck has not been back to Butterfield or to In and Out. It's like, see, let's have In and Out tonight. You got to go. Yeah, take the, take, this take the car. Right. But right, no, so, the 76 team certainly was a model for us all to follow and a tone that Bob Knight had set for um, doing what Bob Knight believed in was showing integrity, winning with class, um, giving your full effort into whatever you do, learning to discipline yourself. And always, you know, he lived by two rules. Rule number one was do the right thing. And then rule number 13, when all else fails, go back to rule number one, <laughs> you know, do the right thing. So, but the 76 guys still today, they are the demigods of Indiana basketball and always will be. And rightfully so. I mean, we talked you, about this the other day, never been another team go undefeated. And I'm not sure you'll ever see another team go undefeated. I'm a little worried about Gonzaga this year. I'm a little worried about yeah, it. I hope not. I hope not. But it's a weird year. There's less games. They play in a crappy conference. That's the thing. I think there would always be an asterisk there if they won because they're coming out of such a weird that's, conference. That's coming from a Hoosier fan. There's no such thing as asterisk. You know, you win, you win. I'm going to tell you, I don't care what the environment is. The environment changes. Whether you're playing in Green Bay or Tampa Bay, 
you know, you get <laughs> on the field and you go play football, and whatever the environment is, the best team comes out on top and wins. And there's no favoritism there one way or another, but I don't think Gonzaga will. Uh, I think it hurts them to play a weaker schedule during the season. Oh, that's fair when point. You get in the tournament yeah. and you back-to-back now got to face some of these brutal teams. Um, it, it's, it's another, it's one thing night. That's why our, our preseasons with the 76 team with us, with the 87 team, we're always chock full of great games. I and mean, totally. we played Kansas, Duke, Kentucky. I mean, we, Notre Dame, when Notre, Notre Dame, Dame excellent. when they yeah. were good. Yeah. We, we didn't play taxidermy tech and what's a mod of you. We didn't play those games. Right. We had the Indiana classic for that one where we brought three teams in yep. holiday and we all, we got to stay home. We packed Assembly Hall because that was a game that they never put on the season ticket package so people could get in. And people that never got to see IU got to see us play. Um, and, and they would they would come out. And the, the, for the other three schools, it was the biggest payday they'd ever see in their life. Yeah. Because they're playing in front of 18,000 people. The game's on TV. Most of those guys aren't getting every game broadcast on television. And so it's a win-win for everybody. Yeah. And when, I, when I left, when I was at Indiana, I swear to God, there's only three things I never wanted to be a part of at Indiana. Never wanted to lose to Purdue at Assembly Hall. Mm. Uh, that's happened a bunch of times now. Mm. Yeah. I never wanted to lose to Northwestern. <laughs> oh, God. I'm going to tell you, we couldn't beat Northwestern. But I remember beating Northwestern by 40 points one time, and it was the worst plane ride ever coming home <laughs> from, from, from Chicago to Bloomington. Uh, we all wanted to jump out. There how many parachutes are on this plane. Can we open the door and just go? And What's the third thing? And the third thing was losing the Hoosier Classic, right? Mm. which I think within two years of me leaving, and it wasn't me, but our class leaving, Indiana had accomplished all three of those goals. Uh. <laughs> they had lost to Purdue at Assembly Hall. They lost the Hoosier Classic one year. And what was the third? The third one was and Northwestern. Uh, they lost Northwestern. Northwestern. They lost to Northwestern. Well, it seems like you're reading off the resume of this year's Indiana team with the exception. <laughs> well, of, it's not. I know. That, that I know. We don't want to become more common than uncommon. It, it has. It's uh, yeah. depressing. I wonder, do you remember uh, one particular loss that resulted in just a horrific practice or week of practices after that? Well, for me personally, I got one for yeah. me personally. Do it. Uh, do please. it. All right. This was actually, this story was pared down, told on season in the brink. Okay. Um, okay. This story actually appeared in that part, in a part of the book there. It was, uh, it was 19, I was saying it was 81. Or we were playing at Michigan, and Woody had just come back off a back injury, so it had to be 80. 80, yeah, had to be 80. We're playing there, and you know we need this game to assure we're going to win the Big Ten. You know we're on the road at Chrysler and playing tough game, and I was in the doghouse, and I'd been in there for a couple games. My day to be in there, so (laughs) we're battling, 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 and with about. Five, seven seconds ago, Woody hits a jump shot um, at the buzzer. Or not at the buzzer, hits a jump shot at the baseline. We go up by one with about four or five seconds to go. They get the ball to half court real quick and call a timeout. Knight gets in the huddle. All right, now here's what they're going to do. They're going to get the ball to Bodner. And Bodner's a great jump shooter. All right, let me take take a look here for what I got. And he looks at me and he shakes his head. I can say, no effing ways. What he said to me. <laughs> No effing way, okay? I don't know if you're a PG show or what, but I'll... No, no we're sorry. not. We're not. Okay. So, and then he goes, Eels, get in the game. He goes, so he puts Scott Eels in. He's another 6'9 kid. Now, he's a little bit better athlete 
and Scott, but I was in the doghouse, so I was going to pay the price on this one. So, all right, now, here's what we're going to do. I want everybody tough man on man, deny the pass in. Scotty, you're 6'9". You're as quick as Bodner. He's six foot tall. Don't let him get the ball. If he gets the whole ball, you're 6'9". Get your hand on the ball. Don't foul him, get your hand on the ball. All right, let's go. So I go back to the end of the bench and sit down. Sure as hell, they get the ball to Bodner. Sure as hell, with just a second before the buzzer goes off, he launches a jump shot right over Eels' hands. Uh, I mean, and it hits nothing but the bottom of the net. Oh, We lose by one. Mm. Okay, but so I, I'm thinking, what's Steve thinking? Fucking hey, I'm out of the doghouse. <laughs> <laughs> Eels is in the doghouse. I'm going to get to play next game. <laughs> All right. So, so we, we get on the, you know, we go and he comes in and he starts ripping a toilet off the wall, kicking it. And his wife bought him steel tip shoes. I mean, he literally wore steel tipped wingtips. And uh, so when he kicked things, it, it, wouldn't, it wouldn't hurt so bad. So he starts yanking and raving. He gets just ranting and raving. We get on the bus. He rants and raves and screams and hollers. And, and, uh, and I always – we had a groom in G1, the team playing, and we had a single row except up front where it was double, then it narrowed back to single and double on the other side. Well, I always sat in the tail of the plane, single row, so I could sit there and face him. So mm-hmm. I knew if something was coming – I could see him coming at me at least. <laughs> get <laughs> get so, braced. Yeah, so he gets on the plane and sits down. His face is beat red, and he starts banging on the side of the wall. Plane. Pilot comes back says, Coach, I know you're upset, but you can't tear the plane up. Oh, don't do that. We're going to crash for sure now. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm embellishing a little bit, making the story fun, but this is about what's happening. Mm-hmm. Okay? And, and so we get everybody calmed down. Now – in comes the managers with about 350 bucks worth of McDonald's. We're starving. It's like one o'clock in the morning in Christ Arena or in, in Ann Arbor. It's it's about two below zero. Sure. Yeah, you know, we're, we're free. We're hungry. Get down. The managers put the food on the on the table right up front, right across from him. Knight gets up and goes, "Fuck this! I don't know how you guys can eat. My stomach's wrenched." Whoosh! <laughs> there goes the McDonald's. <laughs> So, so we're all like, oh, and I'm back in my backseat, just curled up on my top coat. And I'm just watching him. And all of a sudden, we don't get 10 feet off the ground. He starts beating on the plane again. And then he sits there, and his face gets beat red. And he yanks his tie. You know, he's got, he starts to loosen yeah. his tie up. Well, somehow it snapped off or came off real quick. I, I never know if he actually just ripped it off or if it just, he got it unriled, but he just, and he just gets up, he stands up, and I'm looking at him in the eye. Son of a bitch makes eye contact with me. Oh, that's not good. I'm thinking, uh-oh. He gets up, beelines all the way back to the end of the plane, gets down on his knees. God damn it, Risley, this effing loss is your fault. If I could count on you and play you, crap like this wouldn't happen. <laughs> I got $40,000 of scholarship wrapped up in you, and I don't know where your head is, if it's up your ass or not, any day of the week. I can't count on you for shit. I got to play guys like Eels, and this is what happens when we do that. I've had it with you. You can play in the hyperbilling. So I'm thinking, oh, shit. I'm done. So, so the next day, we have practice. It's a Saturday night. Sunday morning, we have film and practice. So I get taped up, 
everything, you know, going thinking this is going to be a brutal practice. I come in, I'm in, the, I'm in there getting taped up. Bob Young was the trainer back then and wrapped me up. Nightwalk says, what the hell are you doing? I'm like, uh, getting taped, you practice. I told you, go to the hyper building. So, <laughs> so I just sit there. Young just keeps rapping. And I go out. So I walk out onto the court. And for the whole week, now we don't play again to, against Ohio State at Ohio State next Sunday for the Big Ten Championship now. So now we have to win that game, okay, to, to win the Big Ten Championship. Um, so we, we practice all week. All week long, I'm not allowed to practice with the team. When, when, when he goes out to the court, if they're on the north end of the court, I have to go to the south end of the court and shoot free throws. That's all I'm allowed to do. If then he just drags them all down to the south end, makes me walk all the way to the north end, shoot free throws. So for the week, that was it. Wasn't allowed to eat training table or go to study table with the team. Okay. So the next Sunday, we're playing at Ohio State. I'm figuring – I'm done. I'm never playing again here. This is it. Transfer my senior year, go to Purdue, do something fun or, you know, whatever. <laughs> so I, I, I never do this. I ate all my pregame meal, you know, all my spaghetti and pancakes and everything like that, whatever we had and ate it all. Go out and warm it up. I'm just checking out the Ohio State cheerleaders. The hell, I'm going to be at the end of the bench, <laughs> you know, sitting there. And we got warm up, come back in, and he writes down the lineups. And he goes, uh, he puts theirs down, Kellogg, Jim Smith, Herbie Williams, Carter Scott, and Kelvin Ramsey. That was their starters. And that was a pretty formidable team. Oh, yeah. A good team. Mm -hmm. So he goes down, he goes, uh, Turner, you'll have uh, Jim, Jim Smith. Uh, Tolbert, you'll have Herbie. Uh, Risley, you'll guard Kellogg. What? Son oh. of a bitch starts me. <laughs> <laughs> right now, that, that 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 spaghetti and all that yeah, food is just right on. about here right now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right about here. So we we go on, and it turns out I scored the first eight points of the game. Mm. Uh, we ended up beating Ohio State. I think I scored like 20 points in the game. Uh, held Kellogg. Kellogg was coming off a 40-plus point performance against Northwestern. I think I held him to like eight, ten points in the game when I was guarding him. Um, and we win the game, and that gets us in, propels us to the 1980 Big Ten Championship, which gives us the Big Ten, which helps in the seeding a lot. Yeah. So we could go to Rupp Arena and get our asses handed to us by Kentucky or Purdue. Purdue, right. Yeah, yeah Purdue. Well, let's yeah. not focus on that. Wait, yeah, let's not go there yet. But wait, I got to stop. But no, on so so we're, we're, yeah. we're yeah. in the locker room after the game, and all the media is all around me. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I, I don't know what happened. I was just. Uh, they kept passing me the ball and it kept going in. I, I did. It was like, I was in some kind of fog the whole mm. game. And so Knight comes up behind me while they're all talking. And he goes, Grizzly, I'm going to tell you something. I'll tell you right now. I shouldn't have to do that kind of shit to get you to play like that. And walks away. Wow. Now he tells a story about six, five, six years later, we're at one of the golf outings and he got a bunch of cronies around him. And that story came up and he was telling, he said, he said, no, I knew right away after we lost to Michigan, we had to beat Ohio State to win the Big Ten. And that was our best shot for the tournament. Because we started that year ranked number one. Mm -hmm. You know, we'd been besieged by injuries. Whitman got hurt. Woody got hurt. Mm -hmm. uh, Kitch's back was acting up again. Uh, you know, we were losing some quality players. And, and so um, he said after the Michigan game, 
he blew up and he said he knew the only way I the only person I had on my team who was athletic enough to shut her or uh, Kellogg down was Risley. So my focus for the week was to get Risley ready to play. I knew the rest of the team would be fine, but I, I had to have Risley in the game playing at a high level, high levels he can play. And that was his way of doing it. But I looked at him like, okay, there, there are other ways you could have approached this. <laughs> I didn't say that at that time. <laughs> I just but I am smiled. Curious, but I am curious, Steve, when you, when you, even then when it happened, was there any part of you, we, we, we love to ask this question of players that played for Coach Knight, of, of like, did you realize you were playing for a genius when you were playing for him? No. And, and at no. what point were you able to look back at that game and what he did that week and go, holy shit, this guy really was working, like you said, on a different plateau? I, I have 10, I, 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 it was probably five, six, seven years before yeah. I even realized. I tell everybody this, and I, whenever I get to speak, this is the one thing I tell everybody. If I had one wish about IU basketball, it would be that I would get to go over and do it all over again, knowing then what I know now. Hmm. My God, how much more I would learn and how much smarter I'd be about the game and how much better of a player I would have been. But when you're 18 to 22 years old, um, you're just fighting him. You're, you're constantly fighting the authority. And, and then you come to realize the authority really wasn't there as much as you think it was. It was, it was your own, your own authority that you were developing and creating in your own head and trying to live up to what he wanted. But all he wanted was for you to learn to have your own authority about yourself, your own discipline about yourself and things like that. No, it's sad. And I think most players that are truthful, that, that, that understood what it meant to play for coach Knight, would tell you in some fashion, the same thing. We all say, man, I would kill to go back to IU right now and Knight being his prime and me being 18 or 19 again, but know in my mind what's going to happen because I tell everybody the, 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 the legacy of IU as a freshman, you go in there, you're just in absolute awe of everything. You're getting patted on the back wherever you go to class, whenever you go to class, you know, whatever classes you have. Well, I didn't mean it whenever you go to class, but whatever classes you have. Yeah. You know, you're just in awe. You're playing in front of 18,000 people. Every game is on television. You're getting yelled at, but you have no idea why you're getting yelled at. You just don't get it. Your sophomore year, you walk in to Assembly Hall, and now, now you're pretty shaky because it's like, God, I'm going to get yelled at, and I don't know what I've done wrong, or I know – He's going to expect me to be able to do something that and I, you fight yourself from doing it rather than just let yourself go and do it. And that's why some of the players, and we'll get into that, like Kitchell, who had that ability to overcome that. Um, some of us didn't. You know, we fought it. Um, but your sophomore year, you're just you're scared to death of everything because you know it's going to be ugly. And you know you're going to hate basketball the minute you get off the court. And you don't really know why yet because you're still in this absolute – sponge absorption learning process okay then your junior year you're sitting there and, and you're doing this you know i've seen this shit somewhere before <laughs> you're starting to figure it out right you're starting to figure out the motivation and the teachings that are going on with bob knight and and the learnings that you're getting and and then your senior year 
you're just laughing at all the freshmen sophomores and juniors <laughs> this is gonna be funny <laughs> watch bailey bailey's gonna get his ass handed to him on this one <laughs> this is gonna be funny dame's not even gonna know what hit him <laughs> you know uh, well it's funny because there's two guys that you uh played with one you were there from the beginning to the end with and another who i think was a year behind you but in ray and landon uh-huh those were two guys, you know, we just talked to Ray and Ray was yeah. very open about his relationship with coach where he was like, look, I did fight him. And he yeah. felt like he held me back at times. And we both, yeah, Ray and I were in the same boat there. We, we yeah. see Kitchell, we'll talk about Ted. You know, I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll morph it all into Ted, but no, Ray, Ray and I, Ray was, I loved Ray to death. I mean, th this guy was no athlete greater than Ray Tolbert. And I, I think there's times when Ray probably would have had a better NBA career having gone somewhere else. Right. Because he was gifted enough to be a star in the NBA. Mm. You would have to develop a jump shot with him, but there's enough good coaches in the NBA that would have made that happen. Mm. Um, but yeah, Ray, Ray fought it. Um, and, and, but Knight had so much love for Ray. And you, we, we always said the day he stops yelling at you is the day you better worry. Right. That means he's given up on you. He didn't give a damn. And I saw him just turn his, just turn his back on people. Right. And Jim Roberson. He just never talked to Jim Roberson again. Mm, you know, wow. th th there were other guys on the team that uh, he just, you could tell they're done. It's so funny, as long Ray... as he was yelling at you, that means he gave a damn about you and he wanted you to be better. Tolbert was, was, was a smart basketball player. He's a hard worker. Um, he just like me, he had this so much respect and love for coach. It became, it manifests into fear of disappointing him and letting him down. So you start playing not to lose. Hmm. You don't take the chances you need to take. You don't do the things you need to do. You fight it. You have to really fight yourself to get yourself to do that. Now, Landon was just Landon. I mean, Landon Tell started off. Tell us what that means. Tell us what that means. For fans that means, didn't get to see him. It means he was, I'd always say this was play. I mean, Landon and I just talked on the phone. You know, we've been talking about Wayne's deal and things like yeah. that. And Landon called me and let me know that it happened. Um, so Landon and I have gotten very tight, um, which surprises me because Landon and I were nothing alike. You know, <laughs> I mean, he was a little bit rock and roll and I was a little bit country. But, uh, <laughs> but we just become great friends. And Landon was just, not basketball educated when he okay. came to IU. He was basketball talented beyond any reproach. He was better than Tolbert. Mm -hmm. He had a jump shot. He, he was quicker. He could leap higher. Um, he wasn't quite as physical as Ray. But, you know, if, if I had the choice, and there were times when Knight would call me in and say, okay, I want you to piss off Tolbert and Turner today. Get one of them kicked out of practice if you can. Ah, that's no problem. I'll have, I'll have Turner swinging at me in five seconds. I'll have Tolbert swinging at me in about 10 minutes. No problem. <laughs> he said, okay, we'll see what you can do. So, and because he just wanted to fire them up? Oh, yeah. He just was trying to get them to be as ornery and physical and mean, consummate with their skill sets. Right, right. I mean, they're, I mean I'm going to tell you, Larry Bird and Magic Johnson – I don't care what you see on TV. They were not nice guys. Right, right. Okay, I played against both of them. I played street ball against Bird, and I played, you know, MSU, IU for two years against Magic. Neither one of those guys gave a damn about you. They just didn't kill you because they would look at you. Wow. And he wanted Tolbert and Turner to have that same instinct. And had they been able to develop it, 
their, their limit, there was no end to their limits. Well, but, it, it yeah, showed in 81. Practice, you know, we used to always, oh, man, you could tell how you were feeling that week. It's like, I got Lefebvre. So, or, or I'll guard Kitchell. Kitchell doesn't move. He just stands out there at the corner baseline. You don't have to chase him anywhere. He doesn't move. Now you just got to let him get the ball because if he gets the ball, he's going to burn your ass. <laughs> but when, between when I had to guard either Tolbert or Turner, I said, I got Tolbert. Dude, geez, I don't want to even try and chase Turner. Wow. Uh, well, you could have smart landing in the early days, um, but you, you couldn't outplay him. There's no way. If he got hot and he got going, you just might as well sit back and get some popcorn and watch. If we, you were watching Genius at it. And, and, and Knight loved Landon. It was, it was the uh, alleged vision of what you guys saw, people aren't, of the love-hate relationship. Right. It was almost all love. Mm-hmm. I mean, he uh, just was trying to get the most out of Landon. And I know he was devastated when Landon's act, in, injury occurred. More devastated than I'd ever seen him. Mm-hmm. You know, because I, I think he took Landon under his wing and wanted to see Landon succeed because of the skill set. And, and Landon was ultimately a very nice guy. I mean, he, he was a great guy. And, you know, we all had our quirks. But Landon was just a good egg and loved his teammates and loved hanging with his teammates and things of that nature. So we were lucky to have those two. But I'd say we, we they were underutilized at IU when we were there. It's funny. You know, right? I, I tell I tell everybody, I tell everybody this. I would love to play the 76 team. Mm. I, I would love to. Here's the matchup. All right. You got Whitman on Wilkerson. All right. Bobby, okay. better defensive player, probably. Taller a little bit, inch or two taller. Whitman, a better shooter. Uh, you know, yeah. able to get himself in position. You got Ray. You got Ray on uh, Scotty May. Yeah. Ray could handle Scotty May. Wow. Ray, Ray, Ray was quicker than him, faster than him, stronger than him. Okay. You know, you got that. You got Landon on Benny. You know, and, and that's a good matchup. Benny was physical. Landon would take, but then you got somebody like me to come in and say, okay, I'll take Benny for a little bit. You know, I'll beat him to the pulp for a few minutes. <laughs> uh, and, and then, you, you know, you come out. What about Isaiah and Quinn? And then Isaiah and Quinn, and there's the matchup. And I don't think Quinn could have stopped Isaiah. I think Quinn could have outsmarted Isaiah, but only because Isaiah was younger. Right, right. That's right. all. In the end, Isaiah became one of the smartest, greatest basketball players of all time. Quinn but would have. Quinn would have been. You got you got Kitchell Garden Abernathy or me Garden Abernathy or Jimmy Tom. You got Jimmy Thomas sitting there. Of course, they had Wayne. Yeah. They had Rad, Radford and, and Wisman, both great players. They had Cruzy. Mm-hmm. But then we had we had Jimmy Thomas, myself, um, you know, and, and Eisenberger could come in and give you a few minutes. It would have been a hell of a matchup. It would have been a much better matchup than anybody ever says. And what, what's I, you know, the final score? Diagrams, but yeah, who wins? I would love – and then you got the best Bob Knight coaching each team. Yeah, but who mm-hmm. wins? So give us what's the score. What's the final? The final oh, score. Oh, I think 81 kills him. No. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> I, I will say this: If that game ever occurred, don't know that Indiana would have been thirty-two and zero. All right, ooh, there All it right, is, there it is. Oh, I, I'm talking I like smack. The, the intertidal rivalry—that's the seventy-six stuff. team did it, and, and they are they are our 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 pinnacle. They are they are the peak of of, of all the success at Indiana basketball. But I would have loved that matchup. I would have yeah, so would we loved everybody would have loved to see both teams in their prime. 
playing that game. So before, oh, sorry. I was going to say, before we get too far past it, I just wanted to ask a little bit about playing pickup ball, street ball with Larry Bird. What was that all about? Um, You know, it only happened a couple of times and and he just was, he just was uh, very physical, very um, leave me alone, just play ball and incredibly good. Like where did this occur? Uh, I think it was Butler. We played it. We used to all go to Butler. See, everybody would come down. Magic and them occasionally would come down. The, huh. the Ohio State boys would come, and uh, they would shut down Butler. And nobody knew we were in there. No wow. kidding. Yeah, and they'd be pickup games in there and just play. And, and we vanished and went away. No press, no nothing. Now, that's when we were all in college, so a lot of us weren't, you know, of the superstardom. I mean, you know, Magic was big, and they didn't come. You know, the Walker brothers would come down. Uh, Cole Scott would come from North Carolina. You, you just get a, a big plethora of guys that found out about this and they would come and play. And it didn't happen every Saturday. I mean, it, it was a rare occurrence when it did, but you wanted to make sure you got to be a part of that when it did. So uh, you, you hit up Ray and Landon. Uh, I do want to talk about guys that were there when you got there. Specifically, we, we talked to Woody. We love Woody. What an yeah. incredible player. But tell us, and, and obviously Woody, a, a legend of Indianapolis basketball too. So you knew of Woody well before you got to Indiana. Um, now, so- Woody knew about me. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Fair In enough. high school, that's right. Woody that's was 6'5 right. was right. and I was 6'8". Okay, very good. So tell us about Woody. see how many sectional championships he has. <laughs> so tell us about Woody at Indiana as your teammate. And also, I want to get into Butch Carter a little bit, because Butch is a bit of a polarizing figure in Indiana Butch, history. Yeah. So let's talk about Woody first. And then well, Woody, of course, you know, you were, and it got a little convoluted for me. And, I, you know, I'm 8, 9, 10 years old, but Radford and I, and I thought Woody was there for a period of time, all went to the same public high school together indianapolis public school number 11 edgar h evans school number 11 over 42nd and millersville road right next to the robert dairy of uh that used to be there the big dairy plant i lived right on 42nd street um 2912 east 42nd street in a house that was so bad that most of the winters we grew up we would we would get up in the morning and, and dress in the kitchen because it's the only room that had heat wow because we had oil heat. My mom couldn't afford to put heat in the house. So we'd all get up. And then one time my stupid sister actually did stick her tongue on the, the freezer. Oh, boy. Stuck oh. her tongue. Did it stick? Uh, right out of Christmas Story. Yeah. The movie. Did it stick? Oh, it stuck. <laughs> but guess what? Steve unstuck it real quick. <laughs> Boom. There was some tongue laying there. <laughs> but anyway, but I, I, I know that Wayne was there, but I thought Woody, but you know, Woody was telling the story, I guess, that uh, he just came over after his parents got divorced or whatever and came over and started hanging and playing. I know Woody being in the mix. I thought he went to that school for a short period of time, but it, it was a long time ago. Yeah. Oh my God, I'm 62. This is when I was 10. So, <laughs> and Wayne was two years ahead of me. But as it turned out, um, Wayne goes to Arlington, which is where I would have ended up had my um, mom not remarried. Um, and then Woody goes to Broad Ripple, yeah. and I go to Lawrence Central. Um, and we all become dominant schools in the city and county for the next three years. Hmm. You know, Broad Ripple, obviously, with Don Cox and 
the crew that they had over there, the Cox brothers and, and, and Woody. Um, and then we had a really strong team at Lawrence Central, guys that had played together all through. And there was no AAU ball really that big at that point in time. But we had played summer ball together all day, and we'd been together since as far as we could remember. We won the county in the ninth grade. It went undefeated. Mm-hmm. Um, this was at Belzer Junior High. It was three-year high school. So Wow. Um, and then we all reunited back at, at, uh, at Indiana in some fashion. So we all, and I don't remember a lot of hanging with Woody and Mike. Um, we lived in different parts of the school district. Um, so it wasn't like that was the case. And we all just spent time on the basketball courts. Right. Um, we Woody? didn't, we didn't really go just hang out and socialize and talk about what was to come in, in Indiana. That didn't happen. How good uh, was Woody? At what point in high school? No, no. When you get when you get to Indiana and he, you know, oh, he's well, he's yeah, he's the leader pure. of the team. He was he was much better than I ever saw him in, in high school. Really? He was guardable in high school. <laughs> you know, well, obviously, you know, we beat him twice. So yeah, yeah. Um, they never got out of the sectional. We beat him. Um, he was guardable in high school. Uh, got to IU. He just he he, he just was unguardable. Mm. His, his shot became so pure and so smooth. And he was the Alfred of the day where we would set up screens to get him open and get in the shot justifiably. I mean, there was no animosity toward doing that. Nobody, you know, it's like, I'd rather have him shooting that ball than me. <laughs> you know, crap. The only thing that saved my basketball career at IU is there was no three point line when I was playing <laughs> or my ass would have spent more time on the bench. <laughs> but, but Woody was, Woody was just so pure and, and such a quiet leader. You know, Woody was not a, a, a very boisterous man, uh, was quiet about the way he led, uh, made good friends. And if you, if you had Woodson's friendship, you knew that it was genuine, you know, cause there were guys that Woody would just, he would talk to, be teammates with, but he had his core of guys, um, th- that he loved being around and all those guys would just hang together. Um, I think the fact that I reminded him every time I saw him that we beat him twice, May have precluded me from his inner circle. (laughs) No, no. Does it surprise you that Woody, you know, he's a quiet leader, that he's gone on to such a great career in coaching? Where it's all about Woody knew the game. Knight Knight was able to transfer everything that he could Mm. transfer to Woodson about the Knight's knowledge of the game. Wow. And and Woody was great that he adapted it to, to Mike Woodson and didn't try and become Bob Knight. Got it. You know, that, that, that was the thing. And Mike was brilliant at being able to do that. He, and Knight loved Woodson. Yeah. You know, it was one of his favorite, you know, Quinn and Scotty and, and Woody's in there. And, you know, if you see the picture of them all coming out when Knight came back yeah. to Assembly Hall, there's Quinn, Scott, and Woody right yeah. up front w- walking Knight out, you know. And um, in all fairness, it's fine. And, but, but Woody became just a real quiet leader. He imparted all the knowledge he could get into Woodson's brain for the four years he had him. Wow. And Woody absorbed it, uh, took it as a player, and then went on to become a very successful NBA coach. Yeah, very. You know, and, and, and he's in talk- right now and doing fine. Um, when you, stays when in the game about- two years, a year older than me, so he's still coaching. Yeah. With, with the leadership, though, and leading by example more than words – what did it mean to you guys that he went through that rehab back surgery 
going over with Doc in the pool, and that when he walked back out onto the court in the stretch of the Big Ten season, is that something that just instantly makes you all better because you're inspired by that kind of example? Or was it more practical? It was like, no, we, we got Woody back as a great basketball player, and that's why we were able to go on that run. I am going to tell you, Eric, you know, as Knight would say, it's a damn good question. Did you write that question yourself, son? <laughs> well, I don't think you're smart enough to write that question. I wasn't. Wrote that was, question? I wasn't, Steve. It was Ward. Ward asked. Ward, Ward, yeah. Let me talk to Ward. You you know, you, you just read somebody else's question there, Eric. I'll tell you what. That's a good question. Um, and I'm going to give you an answer that you may not want to hear. Or, may, you know, it, it, the truth is, when Woody went down, Woody went down. We moved on. We had to go do what we had to do. Mm-hmm. You know, we had to win games. I mean, I don't remember sitting over the toilet crying because Mike Woods is having back surgery. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, we played. We played hard. We won games. Um, and when Woody came back, it's like, let's get him into the fold. And he would come back and start practicing. And we just picked up where we left off where, when we had Woody the first time. I don't remember this, woe is me, because Mike is hurt. I never, I don't think Knight ever let us think that way. Right. I was going to say, and, and no we way. didn't, I don't ever remember. And that's why I say you may not like what I'm going to say. It's just Woody was down. What Wh- was down? You know, okay. Somebody's got to step up. Phil, you got to step up and play now. Uh, you, you know, guys, like Jimmy Thomas, you got to get ready to go. Um, we have other players that filled in, and we just, Knight taught us to play the cards you got. Don't sit there and wish you had four aces in your hand and the Joker. And had you know could lay down five aces, you don't have it. So don't don't try and live with what you don't have. And so I really can't tell you, in my eyes, that there was this, like I said, tearful thing that he you know, we we didn't want him hurt. I mean we were better with him than without him. There's no doubt. Right. And we wanted him back, but he had to go take care of himself and get healed. And we had to keep. They didn't say hey time out. IU gets a, a three month time out because your star players hurt. No, we had to go. Let, let's finish this season before I, I go to another topic, because that season does end in your first and the team's first in a couple of years here, big 10 championship. What did that mean to you, Steve, winning that championship? What year was that? 70? This is 80. This is 80. 80. When you okay, win the 80, big 10. Yeah. You won the, you won the NIT championship in 79. Yeah. Which was a great thing. You got to talk Incredible. about that. Too. Well, let, we, we, I'm happy. We'll, to we'll get there. Yeah. yeah, you're making us go all over the place. So let's. Start I'm, with, I'm good at that. See? Yeah. yeah. So let's start with eighty. <laughs> hey, hey, it's it's called multitasking. <laughs> Idiot reporters can't can't pick that up. <laughs> Is your teleprompter going too slow for you? <laughs> all right. So 1980, Woody does come back. You guys go on a run. You win the Big Ten championship. We all have been told how important winning the Big Ten was to Coach Knight. Like that was everything. What did that Big Ten championship mean to you guys that year? Um, again, I don't recall it being a big. We won. We won a big game, and we were going to get yelled at. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably how I remember. Practice was going to be a little bit easier. Hell, we used hey. to think games were a vacation. Right. We had a game that. that was a day off. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. You know, that that was a day off. We're going to play a game today. Um, I don't, I mean, yeah, winning the big 10, I, I look back on it now and I certainly remember the NIT, um, uh, because we beat everybody. Yeah. yeah. Um, I remember the national championship because we beat everybody. Um, the, the, the big 10, it's like, 
I think we won that. We're, did we win that? At, at, was that at Ohio State? Yeah, wasn't it? Uh, the last of, of 1980? Yeah. Yeah, you game. win because you beat Ohio, State, Ohio State last game of the year. And Ohio State was winning that game with eight minutes left. Uh, they were up by eight points with eight minutes left. Yeah, wasn't that where I threw the long pass to Carter for the – Oh, that I don't. I don't have. I that think so. Time. Yeah, I think I got famous for that too. Because it went. Nice. To, it went to overtime, right? Well, that may have been to put us in overtime. Yeah, I don't remember what. Yeah. So, so all right. Since we're on that team, so it's just another yeah, game. Yeah. So the, the Big Ten. The Big Ten. Uh, you know the greatest thing about me. I remember about the Big Ten. Is we got a ring for it. Yeah. Do you still have it? Uh, yeah. Is it on your finger right now? No. Oh my God! I would wear it every day. What are you doing? Do you have a national championship ring on your finger? Yeah. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> it's just by my desk. <laughs> I stare at it every day like right. an idiot. Before we go back in time to 79, All right. let's talk about Butch Carter a little bit. So Butch is a polarizing figure in the history of Indiana basketball. Uh what's Butch's deal? I just I have very little I can't get my hands around who Butch was. Most of us can't. Okay. Um I, I don't, I'm not going to speak for any other team, any other player, what their relationship with Bush was. Sure. I never had a bad relationship with Bush, but I never had a good one with him either. He just was a teammate. He was, um, from, from what I look back on as I did, went back, he, he was self-centered. Um, I think a lot of the stuff with Bush started the time when Isaiah came and Whitman was shown good mm-hmm. and Bush's minutes were getting diminished. And Butch wanted to take care of that. Um, you, you know, there's the famous trip to Alaska where the pot yeah. got involved. And um, I don't care what anybody tells you. You know, I was in that locker room when all that happened, as was Woody and Kitchell and Whitman. And yeah. they'll all have stories. and Everybody sees it differently. But Butch took it upon himself to handle that. When you say handle that, you mean rat people out. Exactly. Okay. There was no... Let's get together. Because this involved Woodson, Tolbert. Yeah. Turner. Uh, no, I think Landon wasn't there yet, 79. Right. I, I don't think he was. No, he came the next year, didn't he? Mm-hmm. Landon was – wasn't Landon a freshman in 79? Is he only one year younger than me? No, Landon was there. He Okay, so Landon was Landon there. Landon came in with Kitchell and Whitman. And, All right, okay, so he yeah. was part of that team, yeah. So he yeah. would have been there. Eels, then there was Roberson, um – and wasn't Tommy Baker, was he? Tommy, Tommy Baker, Baker. Yeah. Uh, Donnie Cox, who are yeah. both, you know, Tommy, Donnie's a good friend of mine. Uh, I think Tommy passed away, didn't he? I don't know. Was he still alive? I don't, I don't, I, don't, I thought I read something where he did, but don't quote me on that because okay. I, I never talked to Tommy again. Not, not out of despite, just never. Sure. He went back to Jeffersonville and lived his life. And a lot of these guys wanted to get as far away Mighty basketball as they could. Um, but th- that incident was probably the, biggest thing I have with Butch in terms of uh, interaction and relationships that um, you know, it happened. They apparently brought some pot back. It was decriminalized in Alaska, I'm told. Right. Um, and they brought it back. And I, you know, I don't know the whole nickel dime story there. What went on because I, I didn't do it. I wasn't a part of it. Neither was uh, Whitman or Kitchell or Scotty Eels. They were like, the, I, I think Eisenbarger was part of it. Um, I don't recall exactly. There was only like five or six of us. That, and Butch wasn't a part of it. So right. he was in on that group. So, But the majority were involved. 
in some way, shape, or form. I don't know if they went to a room in Alaska or what they did. I did. I figured the less I knew, the safer I was going to be. Right. You know, so that way nobody could maybe answer questions like you idiots. So, <laughs> um, I'm teasing. Uh, <laughs> not going to get anybody like me ever again i love that just enjoy it um you know when you tell me i go all over the place it's because i'm speaking the truth uh, as no, far I as i know it. the truth uh, so it just pops into my head oh i gotta get that out right so and then you know i'm 62 so if i don't get it out the minute it pops in it goes you back in never have it again it's filed away the good thing for um, us is you'll never remember doing this interview oh no i will <laughs> i learned a lot of things about how not to do my next interview <laughs> uh um anyway um it, it uh so they, they you know we go into the locker room and, and bush doesn't tell us he goes straight to coach and tells him these guys did this mm. no team meeting with the players not, not you're not even the ones and butch knew who all was involved because he's the one that allegedly told um what happened and I never got word of it. Whitman never got word of it. Kitchen, we all looked at what the hell are you talking about? You know, because we get called in the locker room. It's finals week. And we get called in the locker room like on a Sunday night. You know, and, and then we're told what had happened and what was going on. Just the five or six of us that weren't involved. And then the rest of the team came in. And then Knight gives his speech and, and you know, says basically he thinks that <laughs> – this is Bob Knight at his finest. You know, I think they all ought to be kicked off the team, but I'm going to leave it up to you guys. Okay, like yeah. I'm going to vote against Coach Knight. Right. So, so but he didn't want I, – I think part of it was he was trying to probably lose a couple players anyway. Right. That, that he didn't want to keep around. Um, um, and and I, I don't know that for a fact, so please, sure, if sure you no, hear no. that, that's Steve's opinion what was happening that is not the truth in the gospel written in the annals it's just my opinion of what was happening and bush was trying to make a hole for himself to be able to play mm. you know he was trying to get uh, a place for him to play i think that that's what it was uh, but bush handled it very poorly obviously he lost the respect of all the teammates uh nobody wanted to hang around him to any great degree uh for the rest of his basketball career mm. um justifiably or not well it was justified yeah it is simply on the way he handled it as it turned out you know they all had to go bring their parents down and have a meeting with coach nine the parents about the incidents and again i don't know exactly how much the pot they had what they did with it or anything they were all together in one room i don't know i i, and I to this day don't know and it's never brought up we don't talk about it um, we just don't ask. It's not my not my business. I wasn't there. Right. So what what what? I you know. But then somehow the team does turn around. I mean, the team did not start off well that year, and then that season does end in this incredible NIT run. Where, like you said, you beat everybody. Yeah, I think Woodson came back, didn't he? Well, Woodson. No, Woodson was healthy that year. It was the next year that Woodson. The next got year they got hurt. Okay. But but you guys did turn it around. You beat number six, Kentucky by one point in overtime. Uh, you know, you, you, you win the NIT by beating Purdue in the championship game, which had to have been a fun freaking time in Madison square garden. 
yeah, to us, it's just another game. I mean, see, that's the way players think. You know, everybody always says that what you just said, which is true. I mean, it had to be fun for you. Well, yeah, because you're been. you're a young, young fan. That, yeah, yeah, you're a young fan, but somebody that that you know is of age and watching the game, to us it's just another game we had to win to get to their goal, which was to win the championship. And Purdue was in our way. And I'll tell you what, we could have lost that game. I think Seasting had a jumper at the baseline, didn't he? Yeah, he did. It could if he hits it, we lose. Yeah. I mean that that was that was no cakewalk game at all. It was a hell of a basketball game. And I didn't realize the importance of playing on MSG until four or five years later. But you had to have realized the importance of playing Purdue. No, we had to realize, we realized the importance of winning the, the NIT. Yeah. And against we your rival. Well, but see, I don't see Purdue as the rival that all the fans do. Really? No, I don't. It, to me, it, I, I mean, sure, there's the fun of beating them and then beating us, but I was always friends with all the Purdue players. I mean, we didn't sit there and throw knives at each other in the summer. All right. Or, you know, they were good guys. And what, uh, was that how most I mean, of your I, teammates I, felt about I, it? I, I know Matt Painter better than I know either of the last two IU coaches. You know, I've talked to Matt Painter more. Well, that's, uh, a, that's a problem. That's IU. a problem. That's a problem. Well, no, that's, Matt's a great guy. Yeah, but the, but the IU, IU coaches coach should be great guys. Be guys. Oh, so well, yeah, well, and they might be for players. all I know. You guys know. I'm sure you've talked to them. I, I just – you know, again, I live out here in L.A., so I don't get back. And uh, I never went down to see Crean. Um, it was just a shock for me the way he changed IU basketball's mentality um, of play, how we were such a defensive structured yeah. organization, and it turned into a 92-90 game. He's doing well uh, where he's at. Um, Not really. No, are they, are they <laughs> sucking this year? Yeah, they, are. they sucked every year that he's been there. Yeah, who's the one before him that went to Houston? He's doing well. Samson is doing well. Samson's, doing well. Samson's a ball coach. He's just a cheater. I mean, yeah. he's just a cheater. Yeah. You you yeah. talked about Coach Knight's rule was do the right thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, do that, the wrong that, thing. Yeah, he's not a, he's not a believer in that rule. No, I know, and you know, but that that again, it's till I have some proof of something, it's hard for me to pass judgment until I got some definite proof that it's happening. Yeah, well, so that's, I, that's, I that's really up to really us idiots. It. Us idiots. Um, it, but, but I, you know, that rivalry there, I never saw it as IU Purdue. I saw it as I got a guard on at Holman. I'm going to have to take on Joe Carroll. I got Drake Morris to deal with. Um, we got the Walker brothers there. You know, we got Rosie Barnes. You know, in the old, earlier days, we got Wayne Walls and Walter Jordan. Yeah. We got to play against. I mean, it just was a great basketball team. And a great program. And I, I don't recall this. Same with Kentucky. I don't recall this great Freddie Cowan and, and Chuck Verderber were friends of mine. Uh, and they both played at Kentucky. They wanted me down there real bad to go play Kentucky. Um, yeah. how, how did Kentucky want you to come down there? Did they do anything uh, on the side to try to get you to come? Oh, uh, well, we don't want to get them in trouble, but yes. <laughs> well, I don't. I think the statute of limitations <laughs> has passed. Uh, what, what did they do? I, Come on, give us something juicy. <laughs> Come on. I'm trying to think what I can talk about. Let's. You see. can talk about any of it. They're all dead. I, probably. I know. I know. Well, no. I mean, I mean, they flew you down in the private plane. They pick you up. In all right. A white limo. They give you an envelope. Put it in your hand. Shake your hand. And then there we go. Out of it is some cash. That if you need a sweatshirt or uh, a milkshake or something like that while you're here, uh, the limo was chock full of. Uh, Wildcat Eds. 
<laughs> yes. um, taking you around campus. I mean, they, they had a beautiful, and it wasn't Jermaine just to me. It was anybody that came down there, I right. believe. But there was, I mean, if it wasn't decadent, it just was opulent. Okay. okay there's a difference between being decadent and opulent. I mean, obviously, Wildcat Hall at the time was freaking beautiful. Yeah. It was a private dorm for the players right, right. next to Rupp Arena. Um, of course, they had to move all the, half the players out or had to allow students to come in and use it. Yeah. Because you couldn't have separate dorms for um, players. So um, Kansas was about the same way when I got recruited there. They had Jayhawk Towers. Darnell Valentine and I were going to go there together. Um, but again, I go back to the funny thing is I never took a recruiting trip to IU. Yeah, well, I, I am curious. Why did none of that sway you? Like, why did you end up... You took visits there. They gave you cool stuff. And yet Indiana with this crazy guy, Bob Knight, who gets on the phone with you for 20 minutes and tells you why you're going to come there. Why did that sell you? I couple things. A, my girlfriend was going to IU. There we go. All right. There's one thing. So that carries a factor at that point in time. For sure. Yeah. Uh, it was close to my home. IU was my parents could come down. It was not far from me. Hell, when I needed the laundry done, I drove up 37 <laughs> and right after practice, just got my car and drove right up 37. And I was back at IU by one in the morning, <laughs> clean clothes and groceries in the entire backseat of my car. Yeah. So, Very you know, nice. so uh, that was part of it. Um, the 76 team, the, the thing of, of I wanted, I, I care more about winning than anything. I loved beating the shit out of anybody I could whenever I could. Yeah. You know, I, I remember I kind of got kicked out. We moved into an apartment complex after my days at IU and they had this sand volleyball court uh, and it was autumn woods in Indianapolis. And it was a real nice young community. And we'd go play sand volleyball all day, Saturday and Sunday. And I finally got asked to leave because I was killing people. <laughs> you know what I mean, I was getting up and spiking yes. girls in the face with, you know, because I'm six, eight, you I didn't know, I probably made more enemies than friends right after I, because I didn't know how to tone it down. Hmm. You didn't know how to go play for fun. Right. Uh, you go play softball and you, you know, you jack a home run. You just trash talk, trash talk sure. all the way around the base paths. You know, you go play flag football, and there was no flags involved. <laughs> it was just tackle. So you go to the YMCA and the Jordan Y and play, and you'd act like you'd want to win another national championship. And right. There was a time finally uh, with that where the kid was jawing me the whole way for about – this last time I really ever played that kind of basketball. I jawing, jawing, jawing. And I finally got pissed up enough. He went up for layup. Now the walls were like a foot and a half. Yeah two feet from the bucket. So I wrapped him, slammed him into the wall as hard as I could. Oof. He went down and he was dazed. I realized what I'd done. I got to pick up my stuff and left. Really? I never went back to the Jordan Y. Thought, That's it. Wow. Yeah. I've gotten through this whole thing without a broken nose, without any surgery on my knees. What am I doing here? Hmm. Took up running and golf. There you go. About, right. about how old were you when that happened? Uh, probably mid twenties. Mm. Wow. All right. Then I quit playing basketball for the most part. Well, let's oh, let's let's go, go back to let's go back to IU. So anyway, and, let me close the deal yeah. with playing against Purdue. Yeah, 
that everybody may have it differently, but I, I, I don't, I never looked at the games as these huge nasty rivalries. They just, it was, I mean, yeah, we knew it was Purdue and we knew that the fans were going to go eat shit bananas over it. Yeah. So we knew that, but we knew we were the ones that were going to catch hell if we lost. Right. Fans weren't going to catch hell. Mm-hmm. You know, we were going to catch hell from the fans just like they're getting right now. Yeah. 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 You know, it's the same thing. See, this is, those rivalries are more set up for the fans. Players just see it as another game that you got to go play. It is mm. funny because, like you said, so many of the players on Indiana, too, they played with these guys on Purdue. It, sure, it, yeah. You, like, they go back a long way. Yeah. So there, there is a friendship there that's behind the scenes that I think historically people have been reluctant to share because they know the fans won't stomach it. You know, uh, you know fans got to get over it. You know, I mean, yeah, uh, we're stupid, Steve. We're stupid. <laughs> well, I didn't say that, but, you know. <laughs> You know, my parents taught me, don't argue with people when they're right. You know? <laughs> so that's, uh, that's your call there, big guy. <laughs> I would have to imagine, too, that the, the respect and admiration between, say, Coach Knight and Coach Katie or, you know, previous Purdue regimes there, that, that kind of sets the tone, too. Knight as hated far Katie as... when he was coaching against him. <laughs> What's that? He hated Katie when he was coaching against him. Oh, really? Oh, hell Yeah. <laughs> Well, that, that he was badmouth Katie until he was blue in the face. Mm. All right, so that the and then the men that all retire, they're like latest. vision buddies. Yeah, yeah, well, they become grumpy old men. It's like yeah, exactly enemies that are now. Otherwise, I think Knight's still grumpy. <laughs> all right, so it's amazing how when you get around Knight today. If I went and saw him today, I'd still be scared to death. I mean, really? Oh God! I mean, you'd have this fear, like, oh Jesus! It's just like I know I'm going to catch shit, and I'm not going to deal back. I'm thinking, wait a minute. I'm 62 years old. What's he going to do to me? Bench me? I should just dish <laughs> it right back up his ass. Yeah, but but you, don't do it. You don't do it. You um, don't do it. All right. So now walk us through 1980. This fresh young kid comes over named Isaiah Thomas. You're a junior at this point, And here comes this small kid from Chicago who's the second coming. What is, uh, what is your first impression of Isaiah? And do you remember any stories or anything from early Isaiah time? I uh, loved Isaiah. I mean, he, he, he blended in better than anybody. Ever. He, he made friends with everybody. He did it in such a right way. He did not come in as a prima donna. Hmm. Um, he did not come in as I'm Isaiah Thomas. He came in and made friends with Witt, with Kitchell, with me, with Ray, with Landon. I mean, the, the, the principal players that were getting the playing time. And he let his leadership flow into us rather than, force it on us mm. to the point to where we started just expecting Isaiah to, to lead us. Wow. And, and then you had Whitman too. And to have a backcourt of Isaiah Thompson, Randy Whitman, people don't realize how good a backcourt that was. You're right. It, it gets overshadowed by, by Wilkerson and Buckner too much, but Whitman and, and Isaiah, I don't know during our days, there was a better backcourt in college basketball at the time. And then you had Jimmy Thomas coming in off the bench to to serve out for either one of them when they needed it. I mean, that that was an incredible backcourt. But Isaiah never forced himself on us. And that's why people loved Isaiah. The players did from the minute he got there. How quickly was it for you to realize this kid was special on the court? Uh, First time I got hit in the face with a basketball because I wasn't looking. (laughs) And I had to wear a Wilson all on my forehead for about half practice. That good, that fast. 
Okay. That makes well, you, sense. Never turned, you never turned your back on Isaiah Thomas. Wow. If you were going to cut through the lane, you better be cutting through the lane looking for the ball. Because mm. if there was, a, if there was a, any pathway to get it, to you, it was coming. Mm. Wow. And so you, you knew uh, that's about how long it took. And that was probably in the first practice. Well, I'm thinking about historically too. A good trivia question for our Cracker Jack research team is you had three guys out there who would end up being NBA head coaches at some point in their careers. Yeah. How much of that was those guys were on that path regardless? How much was the three of them all together? Obviously, Coach Knight being a huge part of that really feeds off. And and could you could you see them learning and growing together as you all did on your way to this title run? I'm just wondering how much of that was nature and how much of it was nurture being in Bloomington for really a couple years together. No, it was both. I mean, we were we were an incredibly smart basketball team. Very. Uh, well, we may have been smarter than the '76 team, and that's not taking anything away from the '76 team at all. They they were physically gifted beyond reproach but i'll tell you with wit and woodson and isaiah and, and guys like that we we were just incredibly smart um you know and even the rest of us weren't dummies uh, you know well we had landed so but <laughs> <laughs> i'm teasing i'm teasing <laughs> that's the landing is going to kill me if he listens to this um but no but but it was a very smart and that's a great observation, Eric. You know, that those three guys were going to become NBA coaches, but it allowed us to make smart decisions on the court. And I don't remember us ever really making really dumb basketball decisions. I mean, you're going to have a turnover. You're going to have a pass you try and make that doesn't get there. But because of those three guys, uh, and even after Woodson left, our, you know, our, our later on, Isaiah's sophomore year, when we won the championship, it was the same thing. Kitchell was a smart player. Yeah. You know, Ted just didn't have the physical gifts um, that, 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 uh, that, that, that he needed to have to, to become better than he was. You know, the thing about Ted is that Ted is the epitome of why guys succeed and fail at IU. I never saw my father after I was eight years old. My mom and dad got divorced and I grew up just with my mom. There's my father. Ted had one of the most stern, rigid fathers. He was prepared for night. Mm. I wasn't prepared for night. You know, I grew up getting patted on the ass for everything I did. Mm. You know, I was an all-American football player, an all-American basketball player. Hey, Riz, just keep scoring points. Don't worry about your algebra test. You'll have an A. So, mm. not true. I took my algebra test. Um, <laughs> got I, a D and got a D. <laughs> I mean, when the fuck am I ever going to use algebra in my life? Never. Never. Uh, it, it is funny. I don't know if you've met um, – <laughs> Uh, he was a classmate of yours at, at IU and he lives out in Southern California now, John Schweisberger. He's no, a friend not. of ours. Good guy. His favorite team is, is your guy's team. And he has maintained for me, I've gotten to know him over the last couple of years. And he always says that 1980 team in 81, if you look at the collection of guys, you will not find a college basketball team that is more successful as a whole after basket, after playing basketball. I mean, yeah. In addition to the three head coaches, you have Phil Eisenbarger, who went on to great success in business. Lawyer, he's a lawyer. Right? You have Glenn Grunwald, who became an incredible oh, NBA. He was a GM for the NBA. And exactly. He's an AD at a college in Canada now. And, and to your point about being like contributors to their community, right, all right. of you guys well, were. You look Close. at mine now, it's a little different thing. You know? I always tell people my career path after IU was I got out of college, first off, college basketball that's what i did scandal ridden 
cheating going on left and right. UCLA and Sam Gilbert and all those guys yeah. out here, you know, buying the best teams money can buy and winning eight championships. Um, you got that. So I did college basketball, which was scandal ridden. Uh, my first job out of college was I went to work for Senator Dan Quayle as no. a public affairs director for four years. So now I'm in politics, scandal ridden, <laughs> cheating and lying, and you know, right. interns going around everywhere. Yeah. So, and then what did I do? I went to work for 25 years for Pfizer. So I sold drugs for a living. <laughs> so I'm not really sure which way my career path went in the entire process. I was in college basketball, which is cheating. Worked from politics for four years. Cheating. cheating. And then I sold drugs. Unfortunately, <laughs> I sold the legal cons, which you don't make any money on. Right. So, you know, um, although we did get all the Viagra we wanted, which was okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Steve, I want to ask you about your career as a whole at Indiana, because when you look at the stats, the interesting thing is, obviously, you were a star among stars in high school. You come to Indiana, your first two years, you play a ton. You play close to 20 minutes a game. You start a bunch of games. And then your last two years, your minutes go down. You serve a different role on those last two teams than you did your first two. W was that difficult for you, um, you know, as a 19, 20, 21-year-old kid to just change your mindset on what you were to this team? You know, I should write a book on this. Uh, uh, no. And here's why. Freshman and sophomore, you had the aspirations and dreams and of becoming an NBA player. So you're working at it from that angle, everything you're doing. And then, you know, you got to remember the thing about college basketball is perpetual motion. There's always somebody better than you coming in behind you. Mm -hmm. Bushy came in. You know, other guys are coming in, and they're the new darlings of the program. And if you haven't produced at a level that, that, that finds Knight in tonight's favor, then you're going to get – you're going to get – your playing time is going to get diminished. After my sophomore year, I kind of realized you – know, I, I can't say mentally decided to do this. It just kind of happened. I realized, you know, I'm probably not going to make it in the NBA. Hmm. Uh, it, the way things have gone, my, you know, I'm not putting stats on up enough. Uh, I've never developed as an individual player enough. Uh, I've always been, you know, I was the guy that, that, hell, I played against Magic Johnson five times. I hit him up for 25 fouls. <laughs> In other words, I fouled out every time I played the son of a bitch. <laughs> I told him, he, why did you give me an did win some of those, wedding? though. You I should have got an invitation to his wedding. <laughs> I kept his face pretty. I never hit him in the face. So. <laughs> but anyway, so, no. So, at that point, you realize, so, you're – you go to practice then and my mindset then the last two years was just, I want to be part of this great team. You know, I loved IU. I, I would never dream of leaving IU. Um, I told you guys I had a radio program I was doing for a couple of years and I quit it just because I got tired of bad mouthing IU. It, I, I just got, I just got sick and tired of just bitching about cream, bitching about Archie. And you know, it's not my program anymore. Mm -hmm. it, it, my program ended when Knight left or really after 87, really. And then it, it, the program just changed mentalities. So our era is what I'm incredibly proud of about IU basketball. And after my sophomore year, I kind of looked at it like, I, you know, probably not going to happen. We're going to have to live our life beyond college basketball. What do we want to do? And started taking things school a little bit more seriously uh, building relationships with people a little bit more seriously, trying to figure out what you're going to do for the rest of your life. Mm. So it, it didn't, I can't say I just sat down one night 
and had a Diet Coke or a beer or whatever and said, I'm making a decision. It just evolved that way. And well, younger guys came in, but I would go to practice him, but it, was, it actually became good because as my minutes diminished, you know, I spent more time on the white team, which is, there was the red team, which was the starters. And there was the white team spent a lot, but I was always in the games. I mean, I still played a lot of minutes Yeah, you did. when I wasn't in the doghouse, you know, and <laughs> if you go back to the championship game in 81, Kitchell gets into foul trouble with five minutes in the game. Yeah. Who comes in? You. I do. And Kitchell never gets back in the game. Mm. Think yeah. about that. When he got a third foul, Ted never went back into the championship game. He sat the rest of the game. And it became Jimmy Thomas and I. So I take that as like Knight believed in me. Because this is the most important game this, this team's going to play. And it wasn't just the championship game. You became a... a even though your minutes had diminished leading into it, yeah, you got into the NCAA tournament against St. Joseph's. You played 17 minutes yeah. against LSU in the final four. You had yeah. a bunch of minutes. And then and in the title game, you were a key contributor, five points and four rebounds in a yeah. title game. And, 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 and garden worthy and Perkins, right. Yeah. You know, trying to shut those two clowns down and Al Wood. And by the way, <laughs> you did. We did. Yeah. You know, Ray <laughs> landed and I handled him. You know, and I feel I feel horrible that Ted never got back in, and I never realized. No, I don't. I don't mean that. I do because really? I love Ted. I think it's very sad for me that a player of Ted's caliber didn't get to play more in that game. He deserved to. Mm -hmm. He genuinely did, and it doesn't mean I didn't deserve to, but it shows that that Knight always had this love for his seniors. Mm -hmm. If you stuck it out with him for four years, he was gonna he was gonna he was gonna be reward you or not try to reward you. He had trust in you. If, if you put up with this program for four years, he had confidence that you knew what was needed and you were going to most likely get it done. Of course, he puts me in the game in the second half as we're starting to wind down. And he looks at me, he says, let's just handle the ball. Let's just keep the ball up. You get up and play out there. You help Isaiah and Whitman out. And I got Landon and Ray down. You got, you just get up there. So he, Isaiah passed me the ball. The first thing I do is travel. <laughs> Turnover. <laughs> I thought, well, that was sure. Kitchell. Did, did you even look at him? Did you no, even look I didn't even look at him. I just, <laughs> all I was doing was waiting for the horn. I do <laughs> wonder. Substitution in the game. But, you know, played the rest of the game. So when you had that that shift, and even if you weren't really conscious of it at the time, yeah, I wasn't conscious look, of it. Looking back at it now, I would just think you're, if you kind of know, all right, this is, this is it. Like this is going to be my legacy with basketball as this team. And you're also getting older, as you alluded to earlier, as a junior and senior, do you think it just helped you relax into, you know, the present and you weren't constantly, well, okay, right. this will help the team now, well, but how's that going to help my draft? Well, I was now? a bitch in practice. Nobody wanted to deal with me in practice <laughs> because I didn't give a damn if I got yelled or kicked out. I didn't care. You know, I'm, I'm not, what are you going to do? Bench me? Crap, I'm already on the bench. You know what? You're going to not let me eat training tail, but food sucks anyway. I'm going to the big wheel. <laughs> Give me a double burger there and some onion rings and be done with it. But uh, yeah, no, I, I became, I started liking basketball again. Mm, yeah. It was more fun because uh, the weight was off my shoulders and I played better basketball. Uh, but I had no aspirations other than I wanted the team to win. And whatever I could do to help the team win at that point, let's do it. So I know you said every game is just another game, but your last game at Indiana, you win the national goddamn championship. Yeah, very few people get to do that. You know, right? how many people walk off and say their last college game was a victory? Yeah. One each year, really, truthfully. 
I mean, it's it's incredible. What did that feel like? I mean, at that point, you had to have there had to have been some celebration going on, genuinely. What did it feel like? Yeah, chicks on campus. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes, finally, honesty. <laughs> Just <laughs> com- honesty. complete fourth row. I mean, I'm going to go drive slowly up and down Sorority Row right now. <laughs> I stole my uniform and I'm going to wear my warm up suit. <laughs> <laughs> no. That's phenomenal. Um, no. Well, well g- give us an idea of like how long do you party after winning a national championship? Is there like a solid week? Like you get back to town and it's just a party for a week, 10 days before you kind of come back down and return to some semblance of normal life? I don't think you ever turn back to some semblance of normal life. I mean, mm-hmm. you, you don't. It, it. I mean, we partied in Philadelphia. We found some cab driver. Uh, there were four or five of us in the cab. <clears throat> Grumwald, Whitman, Kitchell, me. Uh, I don't know somebody else. I, I and we hot pile in this cab, and Knight just said, "I remember the locker room." Knight said something to the effect of, "Team planes airborne at six o'clock. You better make it." Um, and uh, um, remember who you're representing out there when you go out. Mm-hmm. And that was it. And so <laughs> we got the cab driver to drive us right up to the because we were at Butler Aviation or one of the private terminals where the, the, the grooming was. And we drove right out there and, oh man, the night looked at, we had to all reek of a, of a beer. So, <laughs> I mean, it was, I don't remember much about the flight home. We flew into Indianapolis um, and they landed. And I remember 37 being lined all the way to Bloomington. Yeah. And what, what, what a cool thing that kids coming out of their schools, school buses on it where they bust them out. I mean, literally from getting on 37, down on 465 South and going all the way into College Avenue, uh, it was lined all the way with people. It was nuts. So we, we go back to Sunday Hall. Sunday Hall is packed. Yeah. You know, and we pull the bus right in. I mean, you know, why didn't we have this for the players to park their cars down here? <laughs> we can get a bus down here. We can get 10 cars down here. <laughs> Come on, or make us double up in cars here, but get. Should be parking down here. <laughs> you know, I, I, I talked to uh, the AD about that, and that didn't go well either. <laughs> so, uh, but we, we came in, and Sunday Hall was packed, and uh, yeah, you were you were a big man on campus uh, yeah. for a while. I mean, you still had to go class; you had to get your degree. Um, but most of us finished up our classes for the most part. Yeah, um, and you know, we were just going to make sure we dotted all the I's and crossed all the T's and, um, but yeah, it's a party that really, truly look what I'm doing right now. Yeah. You know, I'm 62. I got hair on my head. (laughs) All right. Better than some of us. Yeah. You know, I'm pissed off. I'm here in California. Can't get my, my super cuts been close since Thanksgiving. (laughs) I finally bought some clippers. I bought some clippers a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. I need you. My wife's one to cut my hair so bad. I'm like, Hell no. <laughs> so, Steve, what was your relationship with Coach Knight, if there was one, after playing? Did you stay in touch with Coach I Knight? Him. Oh, no. I never talked to him for five years. I didn't go back to a game or anything. Really? Uh, I, I was so disenchanted with IU basketball, just the work effort you'd put in. It's being stupid. You know, I, I didn't make any – I mean, I may have gone down to a couple games you know, or something. 
but I, it was not my life's blood. Like Wayne and a lot of those guys got see. I had season tickets, um, which I eventually gave up because I never went to a game. Um, but you know, Wayne and and Average, those guys, they all sit back there behind the bench, and um, they just what I was just angry about the whole process. And I, I was being I was stupid angry is what I was, hmm. you know. And I made no attempt to contact Knight. Uh, there really was no big soirees I needed to go to. I think I did the IU basketball players golf outing, but that was only because I like to play golf. I built my own team in India, my own guys I brought down, and we went and played, and they got their rocks off meeting all the other IU players. <laughs> so, But other than that, I stayed away from it. And how did it change for you? Um, well, probably maturity on my, my part was a lot of it. But uh, – I just started showing up. There's these things that go on occasionally in Bloomington. It's at a place called where friends meet or working man's friend. And it's a little hole in the wall restaurant down on the Southwest side of Indianapolis. And you get a phone call from average or green on say, hey, coach is flying in going to be at uh, um, the restaurant. He, he wants you there at seven o'clock. And I got him. I got into that circle somehow. I don't know how I got into that circle. But I got in and I, I sat down and we were, it was only, I got pictures of them. I could send you guys pictures of the groups. Oh, Small please group. do. Yeah. Uh, 15, 20 players, uh, 25 players. That was it that we'd get invited to come. You know, Kitsch, Whitman, Ice, uh, the 76 guys, uh, 87 guys, some of them, but mostly it was the older guys. Yeah. And we would go in there and we saw such a different side. We saw a human side of Bob Knight. I did for the first time. I saw a human side of him. He, it's the first time I probably ever smarted off back to him. <laughs> first, when, when I did that, I went, oh, this is going to hurt. <laughs> this is going to hurt. Oh. oh, there's a good story I'll tell you about that, too. Yeah. Um, that it was in a Kentucky game, but uh, let's stay on this okay. real quick. But from that point, I just saw the human side of Bob Knight. And then it started clicking to me what he had taught me. It was probably took five years. Honest to God. Because I had to get the, the pissed offness out of my system. And getting invited to those dinners just took it out. Mm. And I went on a whim. I wasn't even going to go. Mm. Average was on his way, and I wasn't going to go. And he said, you coming? You know, we really coached really – he said – he mentioned your name specifically. He wants you there. Wow. And I said, all right. I, so I hopped in my truck and went there and showed up. And of course, we're all there at 7 o'clock. Night doesn't show up till 1145. <laughs> Well, we sit there for three hours, but it was a great time because it's 80, mostly 81 team, the 76 team, you know, some of the 87 guys, we're all there together. Yeah. You know, we're all telling stories. And, and I think we talked about this, Eric, when we first got on, we all had the same stories. Right. You've got the, this the names have been changed to protect the innocent. Yeah. <laughs> we a dragnet. We, we, we all had the same stories. And it was funny how everybody would interpret the story. Because what happened to me at Michigan about missing the whole week of practice, there was somebody in 76 that had that same story. Right. He had mm. done it the same way. And it's when you first started to know that Knight really cared about you and loved you. Hmm. You know, and, and he wasn't going to feed you at any point in your life. He was going to teach you how to feed yourself. And his coaching and training goes on to this day. If I went to him right now down in Bloomington, and we had a chance to sit and talk. He would be coaching me 
and training me and, and trying to make me better. Hmm. And that, that's just the, the man he was or is. It, it's funny. That's what, what Ray said to us is looking back on it. It's not that he thinks coach necessarily made him the best basketball player he could be individually. Yeah. But he absolutely made him the best man that he yeah. could be. Oh, I agree I entirely. That was, that's pretty that's pretty amazing for a college yeah, been basketball married, coach. I've been married 37 years. Okay. That, that tells you something right there. The yeah. and most of the players have been married a long time at IU on our group. Mm-hmm. You know, Wood has, Kish has. No, because I went to all their weddings, um, ISO, you know. Um, I don't think Landon's married. Um, he still thinks he's Landon Turner. So, <laughs> uh, Ray's been married a long time. You know, we all understand that core responsibility and, and we understand that marriage is about being a man. I mean, you, you have to take on the responsibility. You have to give and take, you know, and, and do the things you need to do. And that's just part of it. But he never talked to us about marriage and he just, I, that felt, it filters India. Right, right. And that's right. how I've been married 37 years. And don't have any plans to go out to anywhere. You know, I mean, Jennifer Lawrence called the other day. <laughs> want to go out? I'm like, nah, I can't. You know. No, you're busy. Yeah, Betty White. Betty White invited me to her birthday party. <laughs> Big ninety nine. She's still ninety nine. So. <laughs> I, I I do think we because we've got to mention him a couple times, but with his recent passing, if if you could talk a little bit about what kind of teammate Wayne was, what what kind of friend person, and what he meant to IU even after his time there was done as a player. Yeah, let me tell you this one story before I do that because I, I get it off my chest and it kind of ties back to the other thing. Okay. It was my senior year. We were playing Kentucky. We were playing at Assembly Hall. I had started the game. I'd earned a starting spot. Um, had had played good up until the Kentucky game. Had worked real hard over the summer. Lost probably 20, 25 pounds. Hit the weights. Got serious about it. Um, and started. Had good and good. Went into the Kentucky game and just stunk it up. I mean, I played like dog shit. So, I mean, I, I knew I'd play like dogs. So it's a senior year. So the place is dead quiet because they're killing us. Um, so I tape pulls me out finally, sets me on the bench. And while the whole place can hear, rips me a new asshole the size of Texas. <laughs> you know, just lays into me left and right, and blah, 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 blah. I don't even know what he was saying. Because I kind of have my head down like this. And I'm just sitting like this. And he's just ripping, 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 ripping. And then I finally looked up at him right in his face. I looked at him and everybody right behind us could hear. I just said, fuck you. And put my head back down and said, this is going to hurt. This is going to hurt. This is going to hurt. And I expected a hand right across my head. It never came. He got up and I think he realized at that point he had pushed me. Too hard. As far as I was going to be pushed. Right. And that was a respect thing both ways. But I had enough of it. I wasn't wow. happy about it. I didn't go out there and try and do that intentionally. Right. You know, and so, but then I just, I didn't plan that. It just came out of my mouth like a lot of things do. <laughs> there are a lot of walls. I'm, you know, I got the Trump the itis for that thing with the wall. <laughs> I'm ready, fire, aim 100%. <laughs> right. Wow. That is so, phenomenal. Yeah. And I, I just, I just said, this is going to hurt. This yeah. Yeah. Hurt. Of course. I know the you got up and walked away and sat down. And I mean, it, it didn't, there was no real change in anything. I think he just realized at the moment he had pushed me. Mm. The, the amazing where I was going to, and you know, I wasn't mm. afraid tonight. Now he was six, five, two thirty. I was six, eight and two forty. All right. <laughs> I can run faster than you, buddy. 
yeah. Oh, that's like- a funny story too. That's a funny story too. Oh, I don't know if you it. ever heard this. He gets one day he's probably he's all over Landon, you know, and, and Landon's playing like crap offensively. So Knight decides he's going to get in and guard Landon. <laughs> oh, I have not heard this. Oh, Knight gets on the court and says, I got Turner. And he starts bumping him and pushing him around. Landon's kind of taking it, being nice. And then Landon gets pissed off and turns around and goes right to the hole line and goes right through Knight. Ooh. Knight crumples to the ground. <laughs> <laughs> and he's sitting on a chair the next day at practice. Landon destroyed his back. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> oh, that's good. Uh, just I said, things are popping your head like that. Wayne Radford. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know if I have enough superlatives to talk about Wayne. It's not because he passed away. It's because I've always felt this way about Wayne. Wayne was every every everybody's IU player. I mean, he liked everybody that took the time to come talk to him, and he would talk to anybody that wanted to hear stories or wanted to ask him a question or whatever. He was a gentleman every minute of his life that I knew him. Um, and, you know, he, he respected all of his teammates. He, he came to you um, to coach you. And I was a freshman when he was a senior. And he I roomed with him a couple of times because, you know, a lot of times we'll put freshmen with seniors when they're going to use the freshmen to play and things like that. And, and um, he never – ever gave you the impression that he was better or bigger than you just that he was a teammate and we all had a common goal in trying to do things um he was always funny he was quick-witted he was always likable um can't think of anything really negative to say he and woody became very tight Hmm. um you know but but he respected everybody and i'll you know it's a it's a tragic loss for for his family and for IU basketball to, to lose a Wayne Radford because he's such a great representative of the program who would step forward and speak about the program. A lot of the guys, like you never hear from the 76 guys much. Right. You know, a lot of those guys don't talk. And I've tried to get them on my show. I'm sure you've tried. Yeah. Um, and they, they, they're, they're very close knit. It's a very tight group of people. And they, you know, they, and they're the tightest group to coach. So they, they don't have a lot of trust in a lot of people. I mean, there is the inner circle, which, may have been a part of the inner circle may still be then there's the inner inner circle which is made up mostly of hamill 7016 bomba you know those guys that, that have been with him the whole time yeah rink um, rink's part of that rink's part of that that's the inner inner circle that even i'm not allowed into that room right. um and not, neither is you know i don't know if witter kids are involved i doubt it you know isaiah i don't know really you know, he had a love-hate relationship with Isaiah. Um, but but Quinn and Scott May and those guys are that's that's they're that. on they're on equal playing field with Knight. All of them are. And, yeah. And I'm glad for that. I'm I'm glad. You know that that that, that again makes me proud and happy that that I'm a part of that program and part of those, that group of people, one way well, shape or another. I I love the words about Wayne and like it's funny because I didn't know Wayne well. Obviously, he played well before. Uh-huh. my time but i would see him at games you know and he became yeah. this figure and i always thought of wayne radford as just like the rock of indiana he just mm-hmm. seemed like a solid the way he was physically built but also yeah. he just seemed like a solid dude just a solid guy that repped indiana very well like he had a he had a dignified presence about him that 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 seemed to translate 
Yeah, no, and, and he, he, you never heard him spoke negatively. I mean, he, he never right. spoke negatively. And like I said, that's why I quit doing the stuff I was doing about IU. I just was finding it hard to find anything positive to say. Wayne was a genius at that. <laughs> Fine. Well, he, he could. I mean, yeah. and, but he took the time to go down and meet the coaches. And, you know, he knew all the coaches real well and, and spoke with them. I mean, he's down there. He's working for Cook, which is in Bloomington. So he's down there a lot, goes to a lot of practices. And, and he had a better understanding than a lot of other people did. And so for that, I respect anything that Wayne said or did because he knew a lot more than I did. Right. You know, I'm going what off I know and what my opinion is. And like I said, opinions are like assholes. We all have one and they're all <laughs> shitty. So, you know, that's well, the most nice favorite saying. To, to put a button on, on Coach Knight, I know you couldn't make it out there. You were out in California. But you've talked a couple times in this conversation about how your era really ended when Coach Knight left. Yeah. And, and a lot of people felt that way. I mean, a lot of people that are members of the fan base felt Well, I think well, my, mine ended a little earlier than that, but the true yeah. IU era, as I know, was when Knight left IU. Sure, yeah. It no longer became our program. But he wasn't there. No. And, and I had to sit gonna... next to the band. I go to games now and they put Ooh. my ass next to the band. That's no good. You know, all right, I'm looking at all the moms and dads of the players playing now, and they're all sitting behind the bench. Yeah. You know, and I'm thinking, wait a minute, I got a national championship ring, and I'm sitting next to the tuba. <laughs> and, and I'm 6'8", and I'm in a seat made for somebody 4'8". Yeah. I'm you know, not right. Anyway, go ahead. Like Your that. point is. Well, I was just going to ask you, even though you weren't there, what did it mean to you to see Coach Knight return to Indiana last season and walk out? You, you talked about it a little bit before, but – how, were, I'll tell you, you what, truthfully, you, yeah, were I, I, you conflicted on it? Um, no, not at all. I, I was very happy for Bob Knight because I think he wanted to do it a long time ago. I, I really think he, and I'm speaking from me now because I had not had a conversation with Coach Knight about this. Although we did one time at the dinner, he had us all in tears um, when we were at the, the restaurant we used to go to, Working Man's Friend. And we used to sit and talk, and there was very candid conversations. And he, he had his wife with him, and we sat down, and he was crying. He had all of us crying about how much he missed us, he missed IU, hmm. how much respect he had for everybody in this room, and that's why they were in this room, and how much respect he had for Indiana as a university, hmm. that he just couldn't tolerate the people that were there. Right. And I, I think the reason, you know, one of the reasons pretty much everybody was gone. Yeah. No, I think yeah. except for Chuck Crabb and uh, Don Fisher, right. much everybody else in the era and he left was gone. But I, I, I saw him crying when he was walking out, and and I, I was I was in tears. I was sitting in Indianapolis or L.A. watching, it and I was in tears. I did get my jacket though. They did send me one of those jackets. Nice, nice jackets. Yeah, those are nice. So, one of the perks. Ah. I, st I stole a hat from another reunion. I stole. Oh, did you? I, I snuck into the warden. I snuck into the players' reunion and uh, and stole a hat. Yeah, <laughs> I, you know some of that stuff stopped coming because I think I bad mouthed Archie Miller too much. Well, they got to get over that. I mean, yeah, you know, anyway, you got to look no, at, look I, at I your left hand. Look at I think your left it's hand. He wanted to do a long time ago. I think it was. It meant everything in the world. I, I take this all from the conversation we had with him at, at Working Men's Friend when it was just us and he was very candid. Um, and I think that, you know, I, I yeah, I, I, his funeral is going to be huge. Yeah. The day it happens. Um, sadly, I hope it's not for another 20 years, but 
um, I think it's going to be massive. Um, I don't think that university can thank or reward Bob Knight enough. And in the end, it's being bore out now that that man was 99% good and 1% stupid or or misaligned or malcontent or whatever you want to, whatever you want. But he, he raised great kids. He made everyone a viable contributor to the society in which they chose to live in. His basketball teams won. His kids graduated. They won with integrity. Um, if there was a Sam Gilbert at Bloomington, Knight would have had him. He would have taken him hunting. Right. Yeah. He wouldn't have returned. He wouldn't have returned. Somehow he just, oops. He would have Dick Cheney'd him. Yeah, he would have <laughs> Dick Cheney'd his ass with nothing, something more than birdshot. Yeah, he would have exactly. finished the you know, job. One, one, one shell birdshot, two shots, two shells buckshot. That's what mine, baby. <laughs> I got one bird shot. I'll scare you the first time. <laughs> Second time, I'm going to wound you. Third time, goodbye. Yeah. Uh, no, I, you, I hear you. Have you sensed um, that that night coming back has has brought some of his former players back into the fold, even if they're not physically going to Bloomington? Is it just easier to, to feel a part of IU again if, if maybe they felt alienated afterwards? No. Absolutely not. I don't feel any closer to IU right now. Um, I feel close to Bob Knight and my era and my group of people. And I've had to overcome that. that that's been the biggest revelation for me is overcoming it. This is not my IU program anymore. I have no relationship with this team any, at all anymore. I mean, other than the fact that I have jerseys and I have stuff hanging on the wall back here that's all, yeah, you know, mementos. But it's it's not of this era. I mean, I, I'm a, I'm a former player, um, but I'm nothing more than that. I'm somebody who did it close to 40, 40 years ago. What yeah, would it'll be forty take, years ago this year? What would it take for you to start feeling like you were a part of it again? Oh no, I, I'm a part of Indiana. I mean, I love the. I haven't missed a game out here in California. Yeah. Okay. You know, I I watch every single. I mean, they play. They 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 didn't play Sunday against Michigan State. Right. They're going to play Thursday. I just DVR'd both on both my TVs, six o'clock Thursday against Iowa at Iowa. That'll be another loss, but what the hell? <laughs> they, they didn't play against Purdue either. Yeah, yeah. no, then they showed up. Jeez, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know what they're – I can't figure this team out, I tell you. But, no, did, did it make me feel any closer because he showed up again? No, because I think that was set up by Scott um, for the benefit of the university. They realized they need to have Bob Knight back in the fold because the program's not doing that well. Had the program been winning games and winning big, they wouldn't have had any interest in bringing Bob Knight back. Hmm. But they need Bob Knight right now. You know, well, I, I would the, think the, the, the fan the fan support is waning. Uh, people are getting like you guys, like we're getting just dis- I don't want to say disgusted, getting ir- irrelevant. It becomes irrelevant to us. We're becoming discouraged. We were just talking about yeah. it. We love it too much to become apathetic, but there are plenty who are becoming apathetic. We love it too much. I mean, but it's discouraging. It's depressing. It's 87 to now is how many years? Is, is what? 33 years. 33 years. Since 34. Won it'll be 34. It'll be 34 for this one coming up. Great number. Um, yeah. <laughs> 34 years. Yeah, Ryan Evans, good old, right? Good Ryan old Evans. Good old Ryan Eric Evans, Yeah. Good old <laughs> Eric Somehow I slipped in there between Green and Evans. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm not stupid. See, <laughs> I'm part of the 34 club with those guys and Don Schlund. 
Oh, Don, Don Schlund 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 started the 34 club. All right, before before we uh, we wrap it up. And, oh no, I got two more hours of stuff to and, go. And, and I don't want to, <laughs> and I don't want to uh, go down the negative road because we could go down there a lot. But here we always ask people that spend time in Bloomington a few questions. So we're going to ask you favorite pizza in Bloomington. Did you have a favorite pizza? Uh, I mean, everybody will, will say Mother Bears. Yeah. Uh, you, did you ever go to Pizzeria Cafe Pizzeria? Oh yeah, Cafe Pizzeria was good. Um, I, you know, I, at that point, uh, cheapest pizza available. Yeah, sure. Um, yeah. You're not I'm, making a lot of money down there in college. And yeah. And, and uh, actually, we all went to Bruce's Cafe. Have you guys heard the legend of Bruce's Cafe? No. No. Oh, no. In there was this restaurant down there back then, uh, Bruce and Eileen, I think it was her name. They, they had this, it was almost like a little house it's on the west side. And we go down there and all the IU players, they were open from three in the morning till three in the afternoon. Hmm. So on days off or on, we go there for breakfast, we eat free. Nice. And oh yeah. And you know, and everybody knew we were coming. Everybody respected left. You know, we all went every, every player went. And then night got wind of it. Uh Oh, Oh Jesus. <laughs> so, <laughs> so he gave us the right act. He went to the restaurant, gave them the right act. Oh my God. Talking about, well, yeah, you know, I mean, if we get caught, we're getting free yeah. food. I mean, you know, that's how stickler he was on that. So we come back the next day. Okay, a dollar all you can eat. <laughs> okay, I can handle a buck. You know, have you ever had a cast brain sandwich? Scary to talk about, but very good sandwich. What is it? Cast brain. Calf's brain? Just yeah, they brain deep fried. Grilled? Yeah, oh deep fried. God. Oh, it's oh. like tenderloin. All right. Uh, okay. I know. You just got, you know. <laughs> Yeah, we're LA guys, man. Come no, on. No, no, no. no. Having grown up in Indiana, if you equate something with tenderloin, I'll at least give it a try. Oh yeah. God, there's nothing better than a big old breaded tenderloin from the State Fair. Mm, the one where you eat three buns. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so anyway, so he found out about that. So he went back and read him the right act again, and we were no longer allowed to. For one dollar, though. No, we couldn't do it because oh, they you couldn't do that either. Everybody else at. Oh my uh, God! Okay. So they had, to, they had to tell you you either let everybody eat here for a dollar, or my players are not ever coming back here. Well, we got banned from it. Wow! And we didn't go. So, like you said, do the right thing. Do the okay. right thing. How about both then, and maybe if you get back, if they're different, your favorite watering hole? Um, you know, really, I didn't have one. Well, at the time, it was Cuban's place because we could all go back to the what was yes. it, a dollar or something. What was it? I don't even know what it was. What was the name of the water? Uh, oh, yeah. It was back there where... It was on Kirkwood. Yeah, it was, it was near upstairs, back. right? Yeah, but see, we had a back way in, mm-hmm. and all the players would come in the back way, and you drink all you wanted for nothing. But And and so a lot of the players, I didn't have it. I mean, I didn't have it. I, was, I wasn't 21, and everybody's, hey, Rosie, get out of here. I know you're not 21. I can pull up these stats. You were born in 58. You're only 19. And I, yeah, so... We did most of our drinking and partying at home and in apartments and Motley's. Motley's. Motley's, yeah. But he had a back room that was back stairways in. Got it. That, uh, that did you interact I didn't go with there Cuban? a lot either? I mean, I, I wasn't a big bar guy. Okay. Did you do you remember Cuban at all from back in the day? Because he was sounds like he was quite the big man on campus. Yeah, basically on he tried team. to steal one of my girlfriends one time. <laughs> well, I was on a road trip and there was a fly me party somewhere. He won, was trying to get her to go with him. And, you know, she's on the phone to me, and I'm like, and she's going to go. Ooh. I'm like, okay, go. See ya. 
<laughs> That'll be the end of that. Seriously, baby. You can go yeah, I, you know, there's a- I, I I'd met Mark a couple times. I don't had not a lot of he was an okay guy to me. I have no problem with him. Yeah. Uh, you know, he was a guy like being around the players. Uh, you know, he, he loved sports. Um and he was a fairly smart guy. And uh, you know, he, he was fun for the I don't have any negative interaction with him when Mark. he was here. We but I wasn't him. with him every day either. So I maybe met him five or six times, really is all. Least favorite class at Indiana. Um, Did you go to any classes at Indiana? Well, that's a better question. <laughs> <laughs> I did go to one I got in trouble for. Biology for mom biology majors. Okay, didn't ever realize I was going to be selling drugs later on in my life. I need <laughs> biology. Um, anyway, it was in a, it was a, it was a, a building, Myers Hall. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay, Myers Hall, Myers 101 was the lecture hall you go sit in. And literally, it was stacked one on top of each other. So you could pretty much cheat off the person in the front row if you <laughs> sat in the top row. So the class is biology for non-biology majors. Um, I'm not, you know, I'm like, well, I don't, I got to take it. Yeah. Got to have a, a science on my transcript. So the deal is you take your four tests, you drop your lowest score, and they count three tests. Well, I found the smartest person, and it was all that Scantron shit. Mm-hmm. So I just followed his dots and wrote them down <laughs> So and turned in my test sheet. All right. Well, the third test, I turned it in. And I go look to see what I got. And it says, please see professor. Oh, Uh-oh. Uh-oh. <laughs> this is going to hurt. This is going to hurt. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, he, he just, you know, uh, said, look, you've been to three classes. You've gotten three A's on a test. <laughs> I don't think you're above board. And I I convinced him that I had been to more classes and it was and so I had to take the fourth test. And that's one way to save me. It never got tonight. Thank God. Um, uh, but it never got tonight. And I took the fourth test and got like a B. Oh, all right. Not bad. I just studied my buns off. <laughs> so he threw the third test out and then, you know, but he knew what was going on. So that was probably my least favorite biology for non-biology. Yeah, good, good choice. We 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 often hear finite math, but I feel like the sciences is also one that maybe we each had one because Eric and I, while not on an athletic team, we were. Uh, yeah, finite math was just really probability and statistics, so that was kind of fun. Oh my god! All right, you <laughs> like just that. lost us. You lost yeah. us. Well, oh. I mean, it wasn't easy, but it was. It's it's a puzzle. You're just figuring out a puzzle. Uh, Steve, we took theater classes. That's no, what we I did. See, I would love we, to have done that. We took theater yeah. classes. Yeah, we dressed up and pretended. You would have been great. I have a feeling. I was just telling my girlfriend this story that there was a girl that I, I did a my final in one of my theater classes was a scene. You had to do a scene, and I did this scene. We'll just say her name was Melissa. Her name was Melissa, and the scene sure. we didn't choose it. We didn't choose the scene. It was given to us. The scene ended with a giant makeout. And the dude, the professor was like, you got to make out. Like, that's part of the scene. So we rehearsed making out. Yeah, that's what- And, we, and, and wait a minute, now, was, the, prob- the problem is? There's no problem. That's All the right, kind of class well, what are you I bitching about? No bitching. I'm saying that's the kind of class I was taking in Indiana. And, and fortunately for Melissa, this was before Eric grew this beard. 
Yeah, <laughs> that's fair. Steve, look, man. Uh, well, you were actually that... my favorite class. Oh, well, we, we don't give a shit about your favorite class. Oh, okay. go well, ahead. I do go now. Ahead. I do now. now. I do. Well, I had a bunch of favorite classes. Uh, two of them were billiards and bowling. Oh, bowling. Mm, I go. did bowling. Yes. I took bowling. Got yes. an A in that. Got an A in billiards. Nice. And then I loved U.S. history. Yeah. All right. Cats. Cats was the professor then. Now, the whole thing was, I never went to class. Okay, but I loved U.S. history. So I would read the books and read stuff. Um, and, and then all of a sudden on the last day, you only had one test. It was the final. Right. I'm thinking, all right, I think I know enough. I can, you know, scan try my way through this. It's a fucking blue book. Oh! <laughs> blue book. I, I got to write a story about the Civil War. Oh, no. Oh, my God. I passed the class, but I don't know how. <laughs> With a D? No, I think I got a C out of that all one. Right, I, I, I don't, I mean, it, I passed it. Yeah, that's all I remember. It. Just when you mentioned Blue Book, my hand started to cramp up. Oh, I know. <laughs> I I hated the Blue Books. The worst. Yeah. But you had to go to, if you went to class, Blue Books were easy. Yeah, yeah. that's true. Yeah. And then the, uh, other, the other bitch one was computer uh, computer language. Oh, those, damn, those damn cards. You had to learn oh, Fortran, that stuff, you know, the punch cards. Just You guys, you're too young. Yeah, you know, you had did. laptops by then. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Now, we had these computers that were the size of the library. You yeah. had to do, you had to punch these, these um, what, what, what's the things you make right now to do a, oh, damn it, what is it called? You code it or something like that. Coding. 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 Yeah. You had to do coding. Like, you, had to, hell. you were learning coding in They were teaching us coding, yeah. 1980? Yeah. But it was all on these, these punch cards. You much you know, I had a lot of hanging chads, and I got elected. <laughs> <laughs> Steve, uh, when we started this thing, we Ward and I started this thing about a couple of years ago, and I would get on Twitter, and I would see your name all over the place. You were weighing in on things. I, I know, like an idiot. No, I loved it. I love the the honesty. I love your just just straightforward perspective. This is your opinion. This is what you dealt with. It's nothing more than that. I, but you know what? It's so valuable to us as fans. It is because we we see your name in the books. We we I you know you read the Encyclopedia of Indiana Basketball that tells the history of every season. Your name's all over there. Uh, you won a national championship, two Big Ten championships, and an NIT championship. You won a shit ton at Indiana, and you were part of an era that made us fans. So hearing your perspective, and I just love your personality, your storytelling. We could do, we will do this again because we know there's another several hours of stories. Oh yeah, that you can tell us. And what I really want to do, since you're in Southern California, when we all get vaccines and this COVID thing is over, we got to get together, have a meal, break bread, and hopefully watch some Indiana together. Hey, because I'm an IU player, I'm getting vaccinated tomorrow. <laughs> I, thought, I thought that might have more to do with Pfizer than with IU. Yeah, yeah. you know, those, those sons of bitches that for 25 years, they haven't called me and said, hey, why don't you get, no, I'm not getting a, I'm not, I think I've already had COVID. I don't know. I'm like a cockroach. Is nobody going to kill me? It ain't going to happen. But I, I will say this about being an I say this with all sincerity. There are a lot of great honors for other people. I'm sure other people say, but it is an incredible honor to have gotten to play high school ball in Indiana um, and then to play for IU because in my son recognized this at a very young age, we used to fly through Charlotte Douglas a lot. And, you know, my son, 
when he was eight years old, he'd been to Disney World like 12 times, <laughs> you know. And I was so proud because I had an eight-year-old son who was tall enough to ride every ride at Disney. <laughs> um, anyway, people would stop you in the airport. People would stop you everywhere. And they, hey, aren't you Steve Risley? Or, you know, and they would know you. And I felt that, and Wayne, I learned this from Wayne partly, but Wayne was a master at this too. Um, when anytime anybody takes the time to stop and, and want to talk, you, you stop and talk to them and you tell them stories. Cause you got to realize, and you kind of said it when, when people come up to you and they talk to you for a while and they, they, they talk to you in person and hear these stories. Um, what they do then is they go back to their factories or offices, um, you know, wherever they work, wherever their friends meet on a day by you game and they go, guys, you're not gonna believe it. I saw Steve Risley at Friday's. And, and I got to talk to him for about 30 minutes. He was, you know, he told me some great stories. Here's what he said. Yeah. And then those guys become the heroes. You talk to an IU bass and it wasn't Steve Risley. It was, it could have been Whitman. It could have been Kitchell. It could have been Quinn. It, but you realize that to them, it's like they go back to their people and they feel special because they got to spend that time and talk to a player. Now that's what's sad about me that I think a lot of that has diminished. Because I don't think these young kids are as good as storytellers as the older guys were. They aren't. No, they're more self-centered about what they do, what they focus on themselves. Um, I don't see a lot of teamwork in the program this day and age. I think it's run for a long time. I look at the camaraderie that, and, and I and when I, I talk about it, Whitman, Kitchell, Isaiah, myself, Grunwald, um, Eric Kirshner, we were virtually almost always inseparable. You know, we always just went to somebody's apartment and hung out and did stupid things there. And we relied on each other for friendship. But we all knew the power when somebody was brave enough to come up to you. And it took some courage to go up and talk. Except for the damn time Jim Everett's hitting on my wife at Fridays. <laughs> really? Yeah, son of a... He's hitting on my wife at Fridays. And then I turn around and he goes, and she said, I just got married. Shows up a ring turn. There's my husband, and I knew Everett, and Everett knew me. He's like, "Ah, oh, crap! <laughs> Get out of here, Jim." So he's a good guy. Anyway, funny story. Um, but when these people had the courage to come up and talk to you, I felt this. I feel today it's my responsibility to give them something truthful, let them give them some insight into something that they won't get uh, from from um, any any of the newscasts that come on or any reporters. Yeah. Because they never get that, they never got that kind of access to it. You know, even Don Fisher is reserved about what he really talks about, mm. you know, about that, that era. And, and we all respect coach so much. And I, there's no lie, there were dumb, bad things that happened with Knight. But what good's it going to do to spill those things out? Right. You know, I mean, and I see guys try and write books about it. And I, you know, I, I had a lot of guys come up and say, why don't you write a book? Or do you want to write a book? I say, the stories I, I want, I want to keep in my head and tell them to people and talk about them and answer questions about them, not just put them on a book and pass it out to somebody. Yeah. Well, I, so. I look, speaking on behalf of Ward and, and me, it does mean a lot to hear it from you, Steve. It means yeah. a tremendous amount. Well, it really does. It means a lot to hear from an IU basketball player. It um, does. But you guys get the privilege of doing that. Some well, of us are just it, a little better at telling stories. Yeah, you know, well, I'm, sure Kit, I'm sure Kitchell got on 
What do you want to know? <laughs> well, he was a dumbass. He didn't know what he was doing. Yeah. Now, I just took the ball, looked at night straight in the eye, and and, and shot it whenever I wanted to. <laughs> exactly what he did. Great yeah. story about Ted. Last one, I'll tell you. Yeah. He was in the doghouse getting ripped, and, and night was all over him. I don't know who we were playing. So he sets him down, sets him right next to him, and then on the next seat over on the bench with him. I'd probably done something stupid too. Uh, they usually, if you got set up next to coach, that means you were semi in the doghouse. Okay. You know, because that means you were going to go in at some point. So he sits there, lets Kitchell do, and he gets like Kitchell's Kitchell, get in the game. Now, Ted had taken like three or four kind of mediocre shots at night, Benjamin said, Kitchell, you take one shot, and I'm sending you to the hyper building. For the rest of the rest of the season, you're not you're done here if you take a shot. So Ted goes in. We get the ball down on offense. You know where the IU players go in to the locker room. Sure. He goes to that corner. Whitman throws him the ball. He fires a jumper from the baseline. Nothing but the bottom of the net. He runs across the baseline, right up our bench, and stares <laughs> at night as he goes by. <laughs> I love that. You know that coach respected that. Oh, oh, that's exactly what he wanted him to do. Yeah. And see, because Ted had such a strong father, he's one of the few guys that would have done it. If I'd have gone there, I'd have shit my pants and the ball would have rolled into the hallway in the locker room. Are you kidding? I'd have been, don't give me the ball. I don't want to have to shoot. It's like, I'm not cutting to the lane. I might have a wide open shot. He told me not to shoot. Well, that me. That's the difference. Oh, man, I love it. I have yeah, But that, that's, that's the beauty of that team that was – all eclectic personalities, but man, they meshed, and we meshed because Coach meshed us. Wow, he, he made he made the outcome more important than the internal parts of the, of the outcome. You know, he knew how to build a high performing team. Yeah, well, he is the definition of the whole is greater than the sum of the parts. Right. By, yeah. by de- and and it's what Ward and I talk about so much on the current Indiana team. Yeah, that doesn't happen. It yeah, just, just, just happen. like just like you know, I left out Lawrence Central. I scored sixteen hundred points in three years. Yeah, uh, and Kyle Guy thinks he outscored me because I got honest parents about that. Who's <laughs> all-time scoring champion at Lawrence? How many points has he got? Thirteen hundred. How many years did he play there? Four. Excuse me. I got sixteen hundred points in three years. So the next time it comes out, the new all-time modern era scoring champion of Lawrence Central. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because yeah, they yeah, were yeah. trying to get him, Mister Basketball. Yeah. So oh, shit. Yeah, exactly. Well, we know the truth. I had 1,600 points, and Kyle Guy did not outscore me. And it took him four years to do it. <laughs> but he's in the NBA making money, and I'm not. So, <laughs> And he's got a championship ring, too. So what the well, hell? Look, Steve, you, you mentioned that it was a privilege for us it to was. speak to IU players. And it, and, and it really is. Except for you, all the other guys we've talked to, it's been a privilege. No. <laughs> uh, we, we, we feel like we uh, have happened into this situation where we get to be the guys in the airport or the Applebee's who, who come up and we're kind of nervous. And so, you know, don't sleep so well the night before and to you, for you to spend this much time and to be so open with this, it's obviously thrilling for us and so insightful. And then with those who listen, we feel, you know, we're representing them on a grander scale. So while, especially now you can't be flying and people running into you in airports, we found that, especially in a year like this, where we've been so disconnected physically to be able to speak with you and other players, particularly from that era, when what's going on right now is so depressing 
Eric and I are determined to, to stick around as long as it takes to see teams take the court that will represent Indiana the way it used to be. And we, we can't give up. We're determined to see that in our lifetime. But really one of the only ways we can at all contribute is, is to help remind people what it can be and what it was. But of course, that's impossible without you making this time. And I just really want to thank you for doing that and reminding us of the good old days and keeping us yeah. fired up for, for when they come again. One thing to remember about that, what you just said is so true. We all want to go back to the good old days and the old, you know, we can never do that. What we want to do is we want to see this era of Indiana basketball be as successful as the era in the good old days. Yes. That's what we want. I don't think that that you can ever reproduce what happened with Bob Knight and Scotty and Quinn and Isaiah and Witt and Landon and Ray and, and Alford and, and Keith Smart and, you know, Daryl Thomas and, and those guys, you, you can't reproduce that and you shouldn't try, but you should, you can model it. You can model it and you can pay respect to it. Right. And yeah. And I think Indiana doesn't do a good job of that. Exactly. They don't pay honest respect. They pay token respect to the history of IU basketball. It, when, when it suits them, they do something like we'll probably have a 40th anniversary coming up. You're okay. Whoopie do, you know, what are you going to give me? You know, um, <laughs> Okay. So, um, and I don't mean that, I, I guess I said it, so I better take ownership of it. Um, but uh, I don't know that it really is a respect for the history of what happened in that era and what night meant and what all those players meant. And I don't want them to try and go back to that. I want to see that, that this era to be as good as that era. That's all. Yeah, that would be the Do greatest your own tribute. way. The greatest tribute to Bob Knight would be win and win the right way. Well, yeah. I mean, imitation is the rarest, rawest form of flattery. Yeah, exactly. Well, you know, and, and you just imitate what they did. Don't try and do it the way they did it. Just imitate the concepts of what Knight brought to the IU basketball program. Yeah. But I'm going to tell you, our, our plate is tarnished. I mean, you know, I, tell, I used to tell people all the time, the bullseye, the thing about being an IU player is you never played a game without a bullseye on your back. And that bullseye was always huge. I mean, hell, we lost to Pan America in right. Hawaii. Right. All right. And I remember somebody sending me a copy of their yearbook. And I think it said Pan America goes three and 26, but beats IU successful season. <laughs> Something along those lines, you know, because yeah. the bullseye was so big on Indiana's back. And that bullseye is just getting smaller and smaller and smaller to where if we keep going the pace we're going, we could end up a lot like Northwestern was in our era. Oh, boy. Kind of, kind yeah. of a, oh my God, I got to play IU. It's like, hey, we get to play IU. And you never want to come hear that come out of this program. No, I agree. Well, with and, and I do oh. think one cause for hope is that the man now in charge of the athletic department, Scott yeah. Dolson, was the manager on that 87 championship team. And he knew yeah. firsthand the greatness. Yeah, Scott knows. Scott you know. knows. He gets it. So f- uh, you hope that, that, that that's going to drive him to get us back to where we I hope it does. But also we know that Scott's, you know, he's put there a lot too to generate revenue. Yep. You know, and that's a big part of it. Bless his heart. That's what he has to do. That's the evil part of his job. I think if you could just go BAD and get the right people in the right places um, and support the programs the way we'd want them supported, which he does as good a job as can be expected. Uh, Yeah, but I I love Scotty. I mean, he's a great addition to Indiana. He's a career man. He'll be there for the rest of his life. Yeah. And as he gets older, he's going to get a lot smarter. 
and I think he'll eventually see a resurgence. I think the okay. program still has to make changes. Yeah, I, I, I just do. And it doesn't have to be back to the Bob Knight mentality. It's just you, it, nobody even understands how lucky you are to have had Bob Knight at Indiana. That, that's a marriage that happens three or four times in the history of the game. Mm-hmm. Right. We're a coach and a player. I mean, wouldn't at UCLA, you know, um, Ruff at Kentucky. Krzyzewski at Duke. Krzyzewski at Duke. I mean, there's only a handful yeah. where the right coach went to the right program. And no, it's it's Saban. It's Saban at Alabama football. You know, Saban, yeah, Saban in Alabama. Bryant. It's Dean Smith at uh, yeah, North, North Carolina. Carolina. I mean, no, there's, a, right. there's only a handful of that happening, and we have to stop thinking that's easy to reproduce. Right. But there's no reason we can't be Gonzaga. Right. You know, we, we can't be a, we can't be a Gonzaga. We can't be a Duke. You know, we can't go out and be a power and a threat every year in the tournament. Well, you know, in our era, we were the dominant teams. Everybody was trying to beat us. You know, then Duke came along. Everybody wanted to beat Duke. Then Kentucky came back. Everybody wanted to beat Kentucky. You know, and in there, you had the Indianas, the North Carolinas, everybody fighting to, to get to that pinnacle. You had Michigan State in there for a while. Yep. But th- those, you know, Indiana needs to get back into that echelon of basketball. And I don't know how they're going to do it the way they're going right now. We're, yeah, that, that is the depressing part. But yeah. let's just keep focusing on the fact that we got to talk to you for the last couple uh, hours and hear Sorry great. about that. Steve, we loved it, man. <laughs> I cannot thank you enough. And believe me, you're, you are our Southern California LA brother now. So we are going to keep there bothering you. Where are you guys at? We're, we're part uh, of Glendale. I'm in Glendale. Glendale. Oh, you're I'm, oh, Glendale. Yeah. And I'm in Valley Village. Burbank. Yeah, you should run into the movie. I go to the hospital and the doctor's office over in Burbank. Oh, yeah? yeah. And we're, you're in Chatsworth, right? You know, I'm in uh, Granada Hills. Oh, Granada Hills. Okay. okay, yeah, you're not too far. I'm in. I'm uh, a Valley guy. So am I. <laughs> Valley Village. You know what? We moved out here, and we took we took Granada Hills because my wife was working in Pasadena. Okay. And uh, it was the 118, the 210, yeah, the 405. Yeah, yeah. They all meet three, three miles from my house. So it. you know, it's just it was close for her to drive, and I mean Granada Hills is not exactly. It's Granada Hills. So. Not a lot of movie stars rolling through there is what you're saying. Uh, well, there's a lot of porn made out here. <laughs> <laughs> so it depends on what kind of movies you watch. Yeah, the only ones that matter. The, the North the Valley is known as the porn capital of the, of the world. So. There you go. So you're, We Steve, got that going for us. Steve's second career is... But we do get to drive, get to drive by the Rose Bowl every day. I go pick her up. So Yeah, that's nice. That is you nice. guys, Glendale, you live right by the Rose Bowl too. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And we take the two up to the 210 and it is, it is beautiful. It's like everything you could want from LA is over there, but these beautiful mountains. And, and of course, when Tom Allen brings the Hoosiers to the Rose bowl, yeah, it wouldn't have been sad if they'd have got them. We wouldn't have gotten to play at the Rose bowl. He was saving it for, for the right year at the right time. Maybe next year we'll all, we'll all be there in the parking lot. Yeah, because I don't think the Rose bowl will be part of the playoff system. Right. It's not. So it'll just be the big 10 winner. Yep. Not, not including the team selected. Correct. To go to the, the playoffs. Yep. Uh, there's another whole topic, the NCAA and all that BS. We, don't, we definitely don't have time for that one. On this show. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Steve, you are great. Thank you so much for giving us the time, man. Really, thank you. What an honor! Again, it's an honor and a privilege. I tell you, I mean, I got to do. I got to talk IU basketball day. My day's successful. Now I'm going to go watch. Let's make a deal and and um, Price is Right. <laughs> After I go get my truck washed. No, no, there you go. 
don't 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 run it through any in and out drive throughs no 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 all right buddy thank you so much steve we really hey, you guys i tell you you guys are gonna meet me roger dunn you guys know oh, where roger dunn oh, yeah, yeah yeah over yeah. no yeah, yeah. they're like every other day thinking that's i'm definitely... there every other day thinking new equipment's gonna fix my game <laughs> even <laughs> roger dunn i'm a vip member well, wait, we got to go golfing then. Like, I'm terrible, but I just went for the first time in 12 years last week and loved it again. So we got to hey, play some golf. Let me tell you, Tiger Woods is good. The rest of us are terrible. All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah, I'd call me up. I can just, We'll you know. do it. We'll do yeah, it for sure. Yeah, that sounds great. I got my All club right. sitting right here ready to go. Oh, we'll do it. We're, that's a nice threesome right there. Yeah. All right, Steve, be good, uh, and uh, we'll catch up with you soon. Thanks, guys. I... I Thank you very much. You made it very fun for me. And I do love IU basketball. Um, I, I, I'll, I'll never stop loving it until they die. We'll love Amen. hearing that. And I appreciate you guys doing what you do to let other people know how much fun the program is. You guys thanks, are a Steve. gift to the Hoosier fans. And I hope you get a lot of listens. Oh, thanks, man. If you really want to send me, if you want to send me a link to it where I can put it up on for the sure. Grilling Truth, our website, you know, we've got about 300,000 people that follow us for, but we're we're all sports. I only right. do. Yeah, I'll send you the basketball. link. We'll send you but, the link for sure. Yeah, send me a link and I'll have it put up on uh, on the Grilling Truth. So it's another two to three hundred thousand people. We'll have odd acting. We're on Spreaker, uh, Spotify, right. iTunes. We're on all of them. Great. We'll send um, you a Rockfin. Link. We just got on Rockfin. We're doing stuff with Rockfin and everything. So yeah, you think you do more about it than we do. Well, I, people, <laughs> I, mean, I, I love the fact that people get to hear these stories. Yeah, it's yeah. fun. It's so much yeah. fun. We we revel in it. Yeah, All right, well, thank you, be you good. guys so Have much. Have a good rest of your day. And shave, dumbass. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, man. Look, all you have to do is pull the string and let the guy go, right? Yeah, yeah, no, that that was uh, clearly, we talk about that. And, and I even wanted to ask him, what what is it about that era of players who are such good storytellers and you're like well so much of that had to be knight of course is an incredible storyteller and they're around that they have incredible stories to tell and over the years i think they can really refine them and figure out the beats they have to hit and where they end and the laughs are going to be and um you know we'll see if if uh, you know obviously evans I'm, I'm thinking is like, you know, like the last great night era storyteller. Um, but that guy takes it to a whole other level. It's also, look, I, I don't think it's much more complicated than night valued intelligence. Mm. And it takes an intelligent person to be a really good storyteller. Like typically that's a, that's a skill and night valued intelligence more than he valued your star ranking, you know, or your highlight reel and or your length you know or, or like <laughs> these things that have become so big he valued intelligence and so many of the players that he recruited were intelligent guys i mean ray tolbert who we just talked to calbert cheney i mean you know risley well, steve it's, green it's like they're all had, really intelligent he, guys he had to have like a preternatural instinct Ooh. For those guys being so smart, we're talking about intelligence. Yeah, you're trying to show so how intelligent you are. But that he could not—he barely spent time with these guys. Like he just calls these guys up, runs through the locker room, and tells them they're coming to IU. And how much homework did he do? Like, what are they like in the classroom? Or did he really just have to watch them once on the court and recognize the intelligence at work there? And work. that's all he needed. 
But Ward, let's be honest. You can have one conversation with virtually anyone and know, is this person stupid? Yes. I mean, yeah. look, I don't want to get into like who we've had conversations with, not on the podcast, players, former players, whatever. You just know. I mean, like you do know. If somebody can look you in the eye and carry on a conversation and have something to say and something to offer and follow a sense of humor and, you know, I mean, there's just things that you can pick up pretty quickly. But don't you see these like 17 year old kids who in some cases, I don't know if you really had a conversation with them before saying they were coming to IU. Maybe and a not. lot of times they're probably scared out of their mind being like, holy shit, it's coach night. But I guarantee you he had conversations with their, their high school coach. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, I guarantee Learn about the you, parents and stuff yeah. like that. Like, I'm sure he knew what he was getting into for the most part. By the way, not all of them worked out. So let's right. not kid ourselves. The ones that right. didn't work out didn't stay yeah, for the, the most part. They haven't been on the show. Right. So <laughs> I just, I mean, his storytelling, obviously it did not follow our typical chronological format. It was like a Kurt Vonnegut novel. You would just jump back and forth in time, and you're like, it was, oh, it was like, here now. It's so true. It was a it was a Kurt Vonnegut novel directed by Christopher Nolan. Yeah. Um, that's what this one was. But it was really fun. The guy, his career. He's another guy that when you he is not mentioned in the same ilk as those other guys that scored all the points. But then you look at it, the guy averaged about 20 minutes a game his first two years, one mm -hmm. of which we won an NIT championship for. Then his last two years, he was a key contributor in the Elite Eight, Final Four, and championship games. Like, Knight used guys in different ways, and you better be ready to play when you played. I do think his memory was a little off on some of the, the Michigan buzzer beater thing. But look... That's his truth. No, it's 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 more about the good story. I even even my wife and her 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 family they can tell a good story, and I immediately recognize that facts, details. There's distortions that go into it, but at the end, everybody's laughing and it had a good time in the buildup. So that that's what we're here for. And it, you know, we get so many good insights, but I think the thing we crave the most and enjoy the most is a damn good story. And it often involves Coach Knight, other players around that era, whatever it was. And that was that was really as fun as it gets. You know, with those Steve Greens and Brian Evans podcasts we have where you're like, wow, we've got a Mark Twain of Indiana basketball here just cracking us up. Yeah, it was it's hilarious. I love him. Uh, he's a guy who we've wanted to talk to for a while and the timing never worked out exactly right. So it felt really good to do it right after we talked to Ray Tolbert too, who's one of his teammates. And Ray was like, you got to talk to Risley. So uh, now we got to have Risley help us get Landon Turner. Like that's the one that's got to complete the 81 team. Yeah. We're um, circling in. We're circling. That's in on right. Landon. Uh, so as always follow us on Twitter at Hoosier hysterics for the hysterics, no E no I, but the, but the sometimes, sometimes why. why we will be back at you next week. From the halls of assembly, you'll hear us scream and shout. Our love of Indiana is manic and devout. Archie and his boys, we discuss in unique manner. We won't be satisfied until we hang another banner. Us two goofy guys go by names of Ward and Eric. And as you probably know by now, we're Hoosier Hysterics. Hoosier Hysterics. Hoosier Hysterics. Hoosier Hysterics.